Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Sports powered by Sikkim365.com. Four receivers on here on third and ten. Morton all kinds of time into the end zone. And a touchdown hauled in by Loic Bungie. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. Schlee is going to run it again. And the speed of College Schlee down the sideline to the 15 and all the way inside the 10. Finally tackled by Shea Oladipo to save a touchdown. For now, it's going to be first and goal, UCLA. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Hunt sheds two tackles. Are you serious with this guy? He's in again. His fifth touchdown today. Ricky Hunt going nuts in Myrtle Beach. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Fourth and what feels like the ball game. Here's the blitz. Webb, downfield, touchdown, Perry Carter. And now the question, do you kick or do you go for the lead? 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Mikey Keene, 12 for 12, passing, goes to the end zone, a laser. Caught by Jalen Gill for a touchdown. How about Mikey Keene? He can't miss. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. All right, here we go on 365 Sports on a Tuesday afternoon in the studio, like we like to be. Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. 
I'm David Smoke and Garrett Ross running the mothership and a lot of things to get to. Commitments, uh, transfer portal, of course, is red hot. National signing day tomorrow. We will also hear from a, a, a different eyeballs and different ears and perhaps different ideas or maybe the same. Mint Winter, who's an NIL attorney, a sports law attorney. Neil McCready on Ole Miss's run. He'll join us at around 4.30. Craig's off the radar. Paul's top five Hall of Fame columnist uh, uh, John McClain today will join us at around 5.30. But here's a note. On the edge and the ver, I guess the eve of National Signing Day, there are different places, 247 on three, uh, everybody seems to have ESPN and also Rivals, who was one of the originals, a top uh, a, a prospects list. And who gets what? Dan Wetzel earlier uh, saying that of the 10 players ranked 1 through 10 this year by Rivals.com, those are 10 different players, and for the first time since 2006, to 10 different programs. That happening because Georgia – with the Dylan Riola decommitment and commitment to Nebraska happened yesterday. First time the 10 recruits are, are from different schools. And uh, also there's a couple other notes about rivals. Your thoughts, NIL, the Georgia, uh, and here's a list real quickly as well. Uh, Garrett, not, yeah. Here are the top 100 players and how many that Georgia, here's Alabama, Ohio State, Florida State, Texas, not a surprise in who has a lot of them. But then also the top 10 players, all of them committed somewhere differently. Um, but the NIL, you would think that the rich get richer, but it's, that looks like the case there. But you're starting to see some schools. There's Tech in there. There's Nebraska in there. Missouri in there. And so perhaps it's also at some point – maybe even the playing field. I, I think it has. And look, it, there's there's rich dudes at every – rich people at every school that are, are willing to, to go in for guys. And now that, it, like, you don't have to, you know, uh, kind of do black bag jobs, you can uh, – you could go out and, and get these guys and it, it's now, all right, well, you want to capitalize on your money when you can or it, – it, it, everything's open. So – um, the transfer portal, I think, has has done even more for parity. But uh, I, I do think that, yeah, NIL is going to keep it to where, because you are going to be budgeted, I mean, nobody's like, nobody's like Jerry Jones or anything like that, or the Yankees. They can just like, oh, hey, we're going to just go sign everybody because you still have to budget because you're coming through it. So you're not going to have 10 $2 million players on a roster right now. Um, you might have one, and you might have some others making really good money, but you have to budget that out. So if you're a million-dollar player, you're going to go where you can get a million dollars, right? So, um, you know, not everywhere can give, you know, maybe more one or two of those guys. So, yeah, I, I'm not surprised to see it because you got to capitalize and get that money when you can. Yeah, I think it's a very small sample size, and one year where that's been the case, like he said, that's the first time since when or since ever that that's happened yeah uh, it is original 10 tweet, different players so, 10 different schools i mean yeah i guess you could chalk that up to nil um i don't exactly believe that the transfer portal makes everybody on even playing field because i think that's the re-recruitment when you do throw the bags at these guys even more so than you did when they were high school recruits i think if you were to go and look at the transfer portal after rankings that it's going to be a lot of the same teams and there's going to be teams like an old Miss that are cleaning up multiple players so for the talk of well they can't afford to pay this guy or that guy they sure as hell do in the portal um, they just maybe don't want to do it as much in the high school ranks anymore because it's not as smart of an investment as getting the proven four or five star transfer guy maybe that's not the case maybe it's just pure parody but I I don't know I, I don't quite 
buy into that this is like the new way that it is and that it's going to be like this uh, very often moving forward. I think that, uh, you know, uh, Micah Hudson in particular uh, to a Texas Tech, that's an example of what Paul's talking about where they went big for one big prospect and maybe schools doing that gives a Tech uh, a top 10 uh, entry there uh, more often than not or someone like them. But, uh, yeah, I think for the most part it's Georgia, Alabama, Texas. Um, they're all going to be the same teams, and uh, I don't see that changing very much, although – you know, we need more of a sample size than just, uh, you know, these past few years. But it's it's interesting. I mean, hopefully he's he's right to some extent, and it's it's spread out a little bit more. I think that would be beneficial for the sport. Yeah, if two, three, four, five years from now, that is more of a trend rather than a one-year deal. It remains to be seen. Here are some transfer portal uh, commitments. Start with former A&M five-star offensive line, a defensive lineman, LT Overton, uh, has committed to Alabama. Let's go down the list, and then we'll come back and discuss the commitments. Caden Green, he's the one that left Oklahoma, a freshman, headed to Missouri. Max Olson with that one. Dante Moore, late yesterday, the UCLA quarterback, he's headed to Oregon, where they already have Dylan Gabriel for at least one more year. And you wonder about Austin Novosad, Dripping Springs High School, and what he does, because he's now down in the pecking order. Nate Anderson. Oklahoma to SMU. Nice pickup for uh, for SMU. As an offensive tackle, we know Oklahoma's lost a lot of their offensive line. So there are some of the transfer portal stories. And what I want to bring up now is, um, well, before we get to that, those who are still on the clock are the big names that are out there that have yet to commit. Of all of those, Overton, Green, Moore, Anderson, uh, your thoughts about what they do? Um uh, I think LT Overton was a five-star prospect in the 2022 class. Uh, he's a good player, um, you know, so he's going to fit in well at Alabama. It is interesting if you look at what A and M is doing, uh, and, and look, Alabama is always going to get those guys. So going on a deep dive on what Alabama is doing is look, they're they lost some good guys, they're going to get good guys. That's that's how the Saban world works. But with the coaching change with Mike Elko, if you look at the guys that he's added, because they do have some, you know, five and four star guys in the team, he started to add some worker bees through the portal to maybe balance out that culture in the locker room at, at AM a little bit. So I'm I'm interested to see there. Um uh Green to Missouri, uh you know, him leaving Oklahoma, as we talked about when it happened, was a was a bit of a shock. And good for Mizzou that they're getting better and they're getting a really good player. Um, and uh, Dante Moore is the most interesting one to me because is Malachi Nelson, who was also in the portal, going to do that same thing? Go somewhere and wait? It feels like he's leaving because he's, he's going to be made to wait at USC. And Dante Moore has decided that he's okay waiting. So to me, that's really interesting that in, you know, he left UCLA – but he wasn't necessarily going to be the starter right away when he went to Oregon, which clearly is probably where he always wanted to be and now is back there. And, yeah, it certainly sets off dominoes that probably puts Austin Novosad in the portal, but we'll see about that. Yeah, for all talk about parity, if uh, Oregon lands Walter Nolan, which it's down to them and Ole Miss, and Ole Miss probably has the lean there, that's, uh, you know, Oregon's got the number four, the number five, and they're in on the number one. Miami's got the number two, and they're in on the number six. Um, Missouri's all over this place. Um, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting. Ole Miss everywhere on the transfers list. It'll be interesting to see if that's, uh, you know, more of a, a grouping of schools uh, with those top prospects or if it's like the high school rankings that we were just talking about where it's a bit more split up. I mean, I, I do think that uh, – 
we need some more evidence to kind of see if there's any real trends here or not, or if it's just a, kind of a unique one-off. But, I mean, in terms of the players that you mentioned, uh, Dante Moore, that's where he was going to be originally. And then he you know, obviously ended up at UCLA instead, and, and now he's back at Oregon. So it just seems like fate drew him back to where he was probably supposed to be from the very beginning. And, you know, Dylan Gabriel's only there for a year. I mean, he really truly only has a year left unless we're going to do the college football rules where, you know, there's unlimited eligibility, which some people seem to be in favor of. And nobody quite seems to have an answer on how you're going to, you know, answer that question when the time comes. But, um, you know, with Gabriel there for just a year, it allows more to go in there and settle in and play behind a great quarterback. Um, I think it's very interesting that Austin Novosad's just sitting there I mean, he got his bag, so good for him coming out of high school, flipping on signing day to Oregon. But, I mean, he he's probably never going to see the field there. Um, and uh, I think that he'll probably be able to go hit the portal market and get another bag, and, you know, that'll be great for him. But um, with Dante Moore and now Dylan Gabriel, but especially Moore, the writing seems to be on the wall that that was just a pickup for convenience and the timing was right. They needed him then, but they're, they're not going to really need him at all uh, past signing day uh, two years ago. So uh, very interesting. I'm kind of wondering what he's thinking, seeing that influx at quarterback there. Uh, how about his former recruiter at Baylor, now at Houston, and they'd need a quarterback? Yeah, I mean, he would make a lot of sense to go down to Houston with Sean Bell down there now. And if he decides I don't to think leave, we even yeah. talked about that at all yesterday. But, uh, yeah, with Sean Bell now at Houston with Willie Fritz, uh, they're going to be on the, you know, on the lookout for quarterbacks, and he would seem to fit what they'll probably be doing. So, yeah, that would seem to make some sense. Like I said, he'll be able to hit the portal again and go get another bag, and just probably not as large as the first time around from uh, Eugene and company. But, yeah, the the Oregon, um, the Oregon success in the portal and going and grabbing two quarterbacks, it was really interesting and uh, fascinating to see that. Caden Green, I mean, writing seemed to be kind of on the wall with Missouri uh, ever since he made the very – just out of nowhere, moved to go and enter the transfer portal. He's a Missouri guy originally, so, you know, I think you could put two and two together, probably what was happening there, and good for him. He got a bag, too, obviously, and Missouri is one of those other teams that's been very active in uh, the portal and just in recruiting in general. So, yeah, some, some interesting moves. All right, so now, who's next? Walter Nolan, Cam Ward, DJU, Will Howard. There was a note last night from a college football bias, uh, whatever it is, a uh, Twitter account. I checked with Ryan Abraham, Ryan Carte at both USC inside Troy. They said, no, nothing yet official, whether that happens or not. So you've got three quarterbacks that are still out there. And all of them, I think most every school would want them. Paul, Cam Ward, no Florida State yet? Not yet. I think that decision's coming later in the week uh, for Cam Ward. And it, right now, um, according to his father and according to him, that he's he's not taking any more visits, that it's those two. He might he might get on a Zoom with another school, but um, we'll see, you know, um, what he does there. You know, it's – I don't think he can really go wrong either way. I mean, I, I think that Miami has improved to a point where if they get a good quarterback that they'll be better. But, the uh, you know, FSU is clearly a couple steps in front of them right now. So, uh, if it's about – if it's just about money, then he's going to go to the place that offers him the most money. But if it's about money and – 
you know, maybe a bit more of a proven track record, you go to FSU. So um, we'll find out about that, and uh, and we'll see, you know, FSU. Like right now, I, I listened to Mike Norvell's press conference, and he was like, look, this has been the, the most ridiculously challenging week, trying to get everybody back up, fired up for practices after, you know, being disappointed about what happened. And then you've got everybody, you know, opting out. You've got to go do in-home visits. You know, they're, you know, they're, you know, they're trying to sign their own guys that they've had committed for a while. You're trying to flip others. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, you got to get a transfer quarterback in. You're trying to get, you know, they're trying to flip the number one player in the country. Um, all those things. So, it's it's wild. We'll see what happens with Cam Ward. But I honestly don't think he can go wrong either way. And I don't think Florida State can go wrong. If it's not Cam Ward, it'll probably be DJU. And I think they're fine either way. All right. So, there we are with those next men on the clock. Here's a note about yesterday's decision by Dylan Riola to leave his commitment to Georgia and commit to Matt Rule and also Nebraska. Uh, In his time, this is from Brandon Marcello, 23 players from Rule's seven teams at Temple and Baylor were selected in the NFL draft. Nebraska, in that same amount of time, in fact, since 2013, has had 21 players drafted. And if you'll think about this, um... Rule wasn't even in college during that entire time because he was in the NFL. Not for very long, but he was in the NFL. In 20, 21, and what, 22? He was fired last year early on in 2022, and really, so he was out of it and has developed, and now some of those, of course, players he uh, accumulated when he was at Baylor. So that's what, for Baylor, I mean, for uh, Nebraska, is – Something that if he can do that there, they will win. It not mean they're going to win big, but that's what he's trying to do there. Yeah. And um, what he's done where he's been. No, and look, he set out here to get NFL talent, and he did. I mean, like the um, – And know. everyone, like when he did that, if you both remember, they were like 0-5 or whatever it was and talk about the process. And, I mean, everyone was laughing at him. Uh, and, you know, we're going to develop NFL talent. And it didn't make sense, but – It ended up, it damn sure did, and they ended up with a really tough team in 2019 when he left. Yeah, I mean, they they built, uh, you know, to to get guys for the NFL, and he said that's how you're going to you know win consistently is you have NFL guys, and uh, they certainly had that. And his his couple teams here at Baylor uh, put some some really good players uh, into the league and guys, um, you know, to varying levels of success. But um, you know, right now, you know, Jalen Petrie and Terrell Bernard, two of the more uh, exciting uh, young defensive players in the league. Those were were Matt Rule guys. I know, obviously, you know, Dave Aranda has a little bit of um, you know say in. in those guys as well because their their last seasons were, were under him but yeah he, he put James Lynch you know dudes were going to the league yeah and the Brawl staff deserves credit for landing Jalen Petrie yeah. and l- landing actually some of those guys I mean who's to say they even end up in Waco if if it rules the head coach when they're coming around mm-hmm. but yeah I mean he helped uh to uh, develop those guys and then Aranda helped finish off uh Bernard and Petrie and JT Woods and those guys in particular, but I mean, the guy's got a knack for eye and talent and kind of knowing the body size and the speed measurements and the different uh, numbers that seem to point towards guys that can, uh, through hard work and just their natural God given ability and the right coaching, develop into players that can go and play in the NFL. And I know one of the things that he said was not to just get guys drafted, but to have guys actually stick in the NFL because. I mean, getting drafted is a cool thing on the day of, but if you're cut like the first week of minicamp, like who really cares? Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't really mean anything. I, I guess it's a cool feat that you got drafted, but if you're not actually hanging around and playing anything of substance league-wise, then, you know, 
cool, I guess. But he's trying to get it to where guys are, you know, in the league for five, six, seven years and making actual careers out of that. And I know if it's anything like it was here, then, you know, he's got them doing all sorts of training just as far as being, you know, men and and learning how to study and do the various things that you might not think of outside of just the play on the football field that also helps you to prepare to become a pro. And I know every other program does that too, but, I mean, it was proven effective here the way that uh, it went. Uh, you saw the benefits and the, and the payoff from that in the draft uh, following his departure. So, uh, yeah, I think that the NFL numbers, especially given it's not like he's really – challenged by you know great success leading into his tenure there I mean it seems pretty easy that he'll top what they've done recently in pretty short order and you keep you know picking up talents like Dylan Rayola you just have the ability to go and get guys in the transfer portal who are a bit further along Um, I think you're going to see those NFL numbers skyrocket for the Huskers over these next few years and especially if you know you don't have the constant looming threat of him leaving because I'll always wonder what he could have potentially have done even more so uh, had there not been every single recruiting class. Well, you know he's leaving, right? Well, you know he's leaving, right? Well, you know he's leaving, right? Uh, That doesn't appear to be a threat whatsoever in Lincoln. He's going to be there. He's going to be there for the long haul. And I think that we haven't really seen that with him, with these tools at his disposal before. So it'll be fascinating to see what he can put together when he's somewhere for longer than three years and has the – uh, money and the backing and the everything else that comes with that uh, that he has at Nebraska now. So, yeah, uh, the NFL draft's about to become a lot more interesting for Cornhuskers fans. All right, so here's some coach. And those, this is a, the one Paul's not happy. Uh, Jared Verse, a phenomenal player, played at Albany, transferred to Florida State. He had the big play in the extra point against LSU last year, had another really nice year. This came out within the hour. Not a surprise that he's headed to – the NFL draft. Yeah, I was kind of hoping because he's 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 built a little different. I thought he might he might stick around for the Orange Bowl just for for poos and giggles, but uh, that did not happen. He's he's joined the parade of guys who are opting out of that game, and, and understandably so. Uh, but yeah, he was he was fantastic every step of the way for FSU, and you know they. Uh, a credit to him and to Adam Fuller in that early in the year he wasn't really putting up a lot of sack numbers because people were you know, paying attention to him specifically going, we can't let this guy wreck our game because he can take over one by himself. And they adjusted. In the last five games of the year, he was an absolute monster. And the two sacks I'll remember the most are the last one against Florida where he threw the left tackle into the quarterback and the last one at Louisville where he said, okay, I can do that again and did it. So that's a move that's uh, pretty, pretty uh, new. And uh, maybe he can continue that in the NFL, but he was absolutely the perfect transfer portal ad. And he's one of the reasons that Mike Norvell is on the up and up uh, because he could identify talent like that and develop it and and put him into what's going to be the first round of the draft. Yeah, I mean, he's a transfer portal success story as far as somebody who went up a level and Mm -hmm. was able to play on a bigger stage than they were previously. And without the transfer portal, you don't think that's probably uh, going to happen. Uh, He's probably still stuck in the Colonial uh, playing his college days, and who knows how well aware we are of him. Granted, he put up huge numbers, um, but, you know, still at the same time, it's not the same as – you know, performing on the stage that is the ACC and Florida State, and particularly a Florida State team that you know is very much in the mix in 2023 for a playoff spot. So I think uh, as a you know young player, he was able to you know do some good things, uh, but got that opportunity to leave Albany and 
go to Tallahassee and made the most of it and uh, did a great job over these past couple of years of, of helping the Knowles get back to uh, – you know, the team that we expect them and the program that we expect them to be. So, yeah, a terrific player and uh, somebody who we'll be hearing a lot about over these next few months as the draft preparations roll on. But uh, not a surprise in the slightest that, you know, he's he's off to uh, the greener pastures of the – well, hopefully greener pastures uh, when it comes to money-wise. <laughs> who knows what Florida State's paying, how much greener the mm-hmm. NFL really is in some of these schools and some of these players. But uh, for him – you know, certainly not the not the end of his story. He's got a long way to go and a big career ahead of him. If you're a defensive lineman with a single digit, you better be good. That's that's kind of how I, I look at that. Uh, like a quarterback in the 20s. A couple of college notes, uh, college football. Kalen DeBoer, there's a two or three college coach of the year awards. There's the Bobby Dowd, uh, the Bobby Dowd Award, the uh, Eddie Robinson Award. Uh, Kalen DeBoer, the Associated Press Coach of the Year. Mike Norvell was second. And uh, in the voting, but uh, Kalen DeBoer, Washington, of course, in the semifinals against Texas, he won that specific award. And then Penn State has found their defensive coordinator in Tom Allen, who had a nice run for a little bit, got a huge extension, got a new contract at Indiana. They fell apart. Of course, Penix leaving for Washington had a lot to do with that. He now is on the staff with Franklin at Penn State. Great hire for James Franklin. Um, you're losing one of the best defensive coordinators in football and Manny Diaz, who's the, the new head coach at Duke. Uh, Tom Allen uh, was a fantastic defensive coordinator before he was a head coach. Uh, so I don't think Penn State should miss a beat on that side of the ball. Uh, Tom Allen should do do really well there. Now, like two new coordinators. Let's see if that can get Penn State over the hump. Now, look, 10-2 and two, this year, Penn State probably winds up – they would have wound up in the playoff. So – Let's see, though, when they get in the playoff, because what happens with Penn State is they're great against people who are they're clearly better than, uh, but then when somebody rolls in who's at their level or slightly above, they're they're clearly deficient. So let's see if these new coordinator hires and, and maybe some some new talent ads can help get over that uh, that Big Ten hump that they can't seem to really crack through on. Yeah, Big Ten that's now going to have four teams who at least uh... – Three of them, uh, you could say, well, USC not this past year, but uh, two of them are already ahead of Penn State mm-hmm. uh, in the rankings. And, you know, we'll see with the L.A. schools of, of where they manage to be year in and year out. But it's only going to be more crowded. than again, the playoffs going to be expanded. So, again, that goes back to our conversation the other day of what's success. I mean, how is that going to be measured versus what we know of it now? Uh, you make the playoffs, that's a pretty good – solid year will that feel the exact same when your team number 12 is it just about making the playoff is that how you keep your head above water to conference titles and winning those actually still matter um does making the playoff regularly matter if you're not winning those games you know like those are things that uh, I'm very interested to see and uh, where's Penn State's place in all of that I mean and what has been a conference carried pretty heavily by Ohio State for the longest of times and then Michigan here recently as well Penn State's always been kind of that extra team that's made noise, had some big moments, but ultimately not ascended to the top in any way, shape, or form, um, you know, as far as a national title or a playoff spot or things like that. So uh, they've been knocking on the door for a while. Um, I think just in general, uh, this is a great hire that can keep them on that trajectory. And Tom Allen, you know, coach of the year in the Big Ten four years ago, um, Indiana with Kurt Signetti now. I saw they got a big commit today. You know, what do they look like in the new Big Ten? What is their success measured to, you know, what does that look like for them? 
moving forward, but his time there had run out. I mean, it's, it was time to make a move, and so he lands on his feet in a great spot with high pressure, but a pretty good team around him. He's got a solid group of players uh, across that defense, especially up front, which is going to be important with the defense that he runs. So um, they're, they're squarely in the thick of things. They're not Tier A, but they're right there at Tier B and trying to bust through that ceiling, and uh, we'll see if this is a move that helps uh, put them over the top uh, here in the next few years, but I think it's a really solid hire, and um, you know, I think Manny Diaz left some big shoes to fill, but that Tom Allen's a guy who's capable of, of doing just that. All right, so there's that. Also, here's a nugget. College football ratings. Uh, Craig, what, before, are you going to do anything on college football ratings today and off the radar? No, probably okay. not. Okay, here is a summary. Brett McMurphy put this up. We've been following this throughout the year. The top-ranked teams, none of these are a surprise as far as the highest-viewed games Per Nielsen, here is a list of them. There's 32 that averaged over 2 million per game, per game. Now, the number in parentheses is how many times they were on Nielsen. And some of those schools, Florida State, Michigan, Texas, were on Nielsen, were on Nielsen-rated games 12 times. Let's just do the top 10, uh, Garrett. There are the top 10. The Colorado, of course, jumped up in the middle of all that with their early surge this year with Dion. But there is the top 10 by millions, in the Nielsen games only, Colorado was on nine because I guess the Pac-12 network probably, if they were on, plus other couple of uh, networks. But there they are. And not a surprise, but those are the officials after the season ended. Yeah, 12 times on the Nielsen ratings, baby. All tw- like 12 of 13. All except the, the dud game in the where Jared, where Jared Travis uh, broke his leg. Oh, that so, one where yeah. he broke his leg. Yeah, that yeah. one's probably the one that didn't show up. But, yeah, these are all – and, look, I wonder how these numbers will sustain into next year now that the writers and actor strikes are over and there will be better competition for some of these games uh, than there was this year. Uh, college football really did well in filling that void, so – We'll see how much they can sustain it, but these are all all great numbers. And again, none of these teams are surprising. Um, Colorado um, only have that not like still at number three, given that after the first you know five games of the year, they were not musty TV anymore the way that they were playing. But to stay up there shows you how well they did early in the year. Yeah, I mean, this isn't exact science here. Yeah. There's a lot of network games they didn't include. If the ACC Network, Pac-12 Network, SEC Network, CBS Sports Network, ESPN Plus, Peacock. Yeah, that's like, why it's Nielsen yeah, rated. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but but my point is that doesn't tell the whole story. I mean, it tells some of the story. Um, so this might not look drastically different. It's just not the entire picture. But I'd imagine just like everything else, I mean – Name a ranking of any kind, just change the headline and put those 10 up there, and I don't think too many people are going to argue about it, whatever the topic is. Biggest fan bases, most money, biggest, biggest stadiums. Like, I mean, recruiting classes, just throw those 10 up there. Is anybody going to argue and say, oh, no, no way Alabama's number one, no way Ohio State's two. Colorado would be the outlier um, for sure, but you've got the prime factor there. I'd be curious to know of how their average was in the first half of the season versus the second half of the season. I don't know if he delved into that at all, but I would think that they might have had a chance at number one had they been able to keep winning games through the uh, second half mm-hmm. of the year, given how high their numbers were originally. But that's still that's great for the Big 12, as long as you can still capture some of that magic next year with Dion and company, um, which I don't see you know why you can't necessarily. 
Um, but you see the, the massive difference that he made. And then, yeah, the rest of it's the usual suspects and all those teams were playing in big-time games throughout the year. I mean, they were all borderline, if not in the playoff-type teams, every single one of those, except for Tennessee. But they've got such a massive fan base that they're always going to rate well. So, uh, yeah, that's that's cool to look at. Um, like I said, doesn't factor in everything. I wonder when we get to a time where all the networks will be yep. factored in. It's not just the Nielsen-rated ones because – there's clearly, when you're talking about like six other channels, there's a, that's not just nothing. That's not like, you know, well, we just didn't have MTV for this one, but we got 99 other channels. No, there's a handful of them that you're missing there. So I wonder when we get there technology-wise that they'll be incorporated somehow. But, uh, yeah, some some usual suspects there with the, the big TV ratings, and that plays into this thought of what the world's going to look like here in the next few years and these big-time matchups and what the ratings could look like if every week it's Ohio State versus Penn State or every week it's Texas versus Alabama. You know, how close can we get to the biggest ratings possible? I think we're about to – or we're we're approaching territory where we're going to get close to finding out, I think. I do, too, and you're right. The ACC Network or the ESPN Plus, that counts, too. Uh, Thanks uh, again with Brett McMurphy on that particular deal. Now – the uh, Later in the show, Craig has off the radar for some other baby college football and other stories in sports. Paul's top five, of course, to close us out. Don't forget tonight at 1030 on the CW, 365 Sports Tonight, sponsored and presented by GXG. When we come back, what rule in college football that is not within the game once it kicks off would you like to see changed? Or if you had a chance to change it, what would it be? One rule. There's one in here about who should be allowed if they rush the field. That's a pretty good one. This is not about substitution. This is not about whatever. This is about outside of when the game is kicked off until the game is over. What one rule in college football would you like to see changed or what would you change? This is 365 Sports. Stonewood Dental Robinson, Texas. My dentist is Dr. Steve Childress, and I, man, I, I love what he's done for me. He has helped me in so many different ways, play catch up for not neglecting my dental work, but not being very smart with uh, too much sugar with what I would eat when it comes to constantly just chewing or uh, lozenges, even during the broadcast to kind of keep my throat at least moist. And man, it came back to bother me, came back to haunt me. Crowns, fillings, root canals, and more. I'm past that now. Haven't had one of those in a long time long time. And during that time, Dr. Childress and his great staff have been able to help me find ways to get a new crown in my uh, top right, uh, top left, bottom left. I have like five crowns. They're not, they're not inexpensive. You know that. I've had a couple of different root canals. That's not fun either, but he's been able to get me where I need to be and moving forward, getting more done when I'm ready to do it. If you're looking for a dentist, if you're out of state, because we have a coast-to-coast audience, but if you're around the state of Texas, if you're around Central Texas and you're looking for a dentist, here's somebody that has been a dentist for our soldiers, Dr. Steve Childress in Robinson, Texas, Stonewood Dental. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Don't miss the wrap-up the year sales event at Allen Samuels in Waco. As the year comes to a close, we're offering unbeatable deals and a wide selection of new 2023 Jeep models like the Grand Cherokee, Grand Cherokee L, Renegade, Gladiator, Wrangler, and the Wrangler 4XE. In addition to incredible savings, we're also offering generous trade-in values for your current vehicle. Upgrade to a newer model while getting the most out of your trade-in. Hurry in. These deals won't last long. Shop our great selection of new inventory and start the new year in style. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Boozers, the wedding ring store. Riverbend Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now downtown on Franklin Avenue. Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch, or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, Warm. Welcome home. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. 
I asked a question uh, about what one college football rule would you like to change if you could make one rule change? And it's not during the game. Earlier, there was somebody that mentioned uh, the substitution rule and, and the in that. Uh, this is about outside of the kickoff to the end of the game. Uh, what someone mentioned that if you're going to rush the field, if you're a school that has anyone rush the field, this would be hard to contain and monitor. You must be a student at that specific university. Well, I wish that could be the case, but that would be really no way. hard. Like, what did you like? Out. Get zapped if you didn't? Like, oh, yeah, you got a you know, wristband. Well, you, go, oh. <laughs> you get a little zap and you can't do it. I don't know. Um, yes, I would. Lo- I would love that. Um, I, I do think like, look, and I get it. If you're, if you're at like actually work at the school or whatever and rush the field, I get that. But if, if you're just a dude, you know, I, I think that maybe, you know, let the kids have their fun um, and, and don't, and don't get all, all into it. Maybe but, it's like, uh, what is it? Lent? Well, you put a little black mark on their forehead. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. Like ask oh, you don't have one. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. But um, yeah, you know, I'm, I, uh, I think field, field storming, needs to have like you need to really pick your spots because when you do it like three times in a year like all right look you you, you kind of gone overboard tennessee it's kind of like their thing now like save it for the good spots and do it then you know yeah. don't 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 uh I, I didn't give you guys a lot of time to think about this it was something that because uh, i thought we would have a guest at 340 brandon marcello just added our lineup he'll be on at 510 from 247 sports craig anything garrett anything if you could do outside of the game itself a rule change, what would it be? I think one thing that gets on my nerves is the targeting rule. Like, I understand why it's there, but if you commit targeting, um, I don't think that you should be held out the next game. I think if you're kicked out for the remainder of the game, that should be due and that shouldn't be carried over. That's, that's one that, that bugs me. That's kind of been an in-game thing. But oh, okay. you're talking I mean, about but it's still out of the following yeah, yeah. game. No, yeah. I get, yeah, I get yeah, it. Kick him out. Like, look, okay, fine. That's a good you way to ejected third quarter, right. second quarter, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But suspended for the first half of the next game, you know, like unless it's your, like, fifth targeting penalty of the year, you know, if oh, you're maybe, a serial maybe, offender, yeah, then, like the guy if, from the Steelers, yeah. If you yeah. if you constantly do it, then maybe you need to be suspended so that you kind of you know really take weight into to making your your technique better. But if you've done it once, like all right, look, it happens. It's so yeah, a, I agree. It's such a fast game. Yeah, I don't quite understand what you mean by out of game. A transfer portal. Uh, okay. National signing day I we were schedule. About the game. Okay. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Outside of the game. Uh, the transfer portal, uh, the, the national signing days. There used to be one in February. Now there's two. The calendar itself, that's what I'm more looking at. We'll have an NIL attorney, by the way, Mitt Winter, coming up and joining us at 4 o'clock today. Uh, yeah, I mean, this this would be in-game for me, but uh, less TV commercials. I mean, that would be the, the number one thing. If I could change anything in college football, it would probably be that. Um, and I, I'm not uh, with the argument of, well, we want more. Yes, I want more college football. I don't want longer games, though, that are simply longer because the commercial breaks are five minutes or five and a half minutes or whatever. Um, I would be fine having the football game wrap up in less than three hours and 45 minutes if it meant four-minute commercial breaks. You know, that just that slight tweak would be great with me, although I guess it wouldn't be so slight. Uh, but that's the, that's the thing that comes to mind for me that's just kind of silly, but I understand that that's not going to change because that's where all the money comes from for all of these other things. Uh, so you're not going to do less advertising. Um, beyond that, I... 
Um, I don't know. I'd have to sit there and actually sit and think about this to, to some extent because there's not a, a lot of things that just jump out to me uh, right away. I guess maybe get rid of this signing day in December uh, or uh, – change it up to where it's just less of a logjam with everything else that's going on. I think it's ridiculous that uh, everything is all happening all at the exact same time and all around the big, busiest holiday of the entire year. I just think that there's got to be a better way to do that. I'm sitting there talking a day after our podcast about how I'm, I need a break. Like, can you imagine? I need a break. And I, I don't know, we, I feel like we pre- go pretty heavy, like in terms of college talk shows and things like that. I mean, we do 15 hours minimum a week, so we do pretty pretty good amount, yeah. you know. Yep. It's not like, an, you know, every other thing and, and, and like that. Like, we go pretty heavy, so I do feel like saying that we need a break is not that crazy. But, I mean, I, I say that mostly because I can't imagine if I feel like this how much a coach actually feels. Like, if you've been on the, the road recruiting this last month – and you still got to wrap everything up tomorrow, and then you still have to go. And I know there's dead periods and things like that, but let's face it, nobody's ever just, oh, well, I, I have to put my phone away because it's the dead period. They're all still grinding away and working. So I just don't know where you get your breather. I don't know where you get your break in anymore. It used to be the season was over, you got a little bit of breather, but now between the coaching carousel, coaching staff changes, the transfer portal, national signing day number one, mm. bowl games, I mean, on and on and on. Not to mention all stuff we don't think about, like who are you going around glad handing to get your NIL money boosted up for the following year, and a little uh, speaking engagements you might have to do. And I, I just think that yes, they're handsomely rewarded and paid uh, a lot of these coaches, but that doesn't mean there can't be a better way to do this. I'm not exactly saying, hey, take six months off and go to Miami Beach and just relax, but can we just separate some things, like so that six things aren't that are of major importance aren't all happening in the same four-week time period, basically, you know, or six-week time period, uh, that that's what I would look at. I, I agree with all of that. Yeah. I, I, I said when I walked in the door here, and this is not to complain that there is a transfer portal or NIL or even the two different signing days. It is almost, I use this term too much, a battering ram. Like every day, Garrett, my God, I send you whatever might be something we discuss, and I don't send you something that's just something that's just a deal. I mean, these are the stories we've gone over. Who's in the portal? Who's committed from out of the portal? Who's, who's you know, it is, it is a lot, and it's just, for us, it gives us more to talk about for you and the audience, too, but... Yeah, I'm almost to the point where I need a deep breath, and I'm not even a, a coach or a player or an NIL guy. I just – it is a lot. I can't imagine how they navigate it. Like, how, how you do it where you're preparing for a bowl game, which next year will be uh, eight more teams preparing for playoff games, even though uh, four of them will have a bye. They're still getting ready for that, right? You've got to prepare for that. You've got to – you know, make sure that your high school recruits are in good order. Then you've got all the transfer report. Like, there's no way that, you know, it, it is – there's not a way that you can change it. Um, and part of the the reason you can't is you've got a couple of immovable objects in the way, like the start of semesters and all that. But there's got to be a better way to do it. Like, the early signing period um, – made a lot of sense until the early signing period started affecting when you're firing and hiring coaches even more. Like there, there used to be kind of a, all right, you know, you can, 
we'll fire the coach on Thanksgiving weekend because that's the last game of the regular season. They didn't, you know, they're not making the conference title game if we're firing them more than likely. Um, There are rare instances where that does happen. But, you know, now, you know, like you saw with Texas Tech, they just knew that they had to get out in front of every kind of recruiting whatever and fire their coach in the middle of the year uh, and then even hire one off the staff, another staff in the middle of the year. Now, uh, that's that's hasn't happened as much everywhere else, but every the calendar is yeah. I, I'm kind of with Craig. I would I would what, fix the is signing there really day. Even a calendar? No, but That's I, I would yeah. fix I would fix the signing day problem yeah. because you know for all the good it, it might do in you know getting a lot of that it doesn't really get anything off the coach's plate. Like it doesn't it doesn't get anything. It it might be better for the kids that they can just say yes, it's over, but. If you're going to make it early, make it legitimately early and then and then move it into the summer. That way that's off the plate of everybody and then you maybe balance out to where, you know, the kids who are really are going to go somewhere. They know in the summer they're not going to take any more visits. They're done and then the ones who are, but even that has flaws in it like we talked about last week. It's just a lot. It is. It is a lot. Somebody said we're called 300 365 sports for the amount of days in a year. And I feel like there's 365 days where there's some sort of college football something and not just like looking at a preview of what some team might do in six months. It's like the NFL back when they created a 12-month calendar to have something that's a big event in every single month, even during the so-called offseason. And I think it's even like gone on steroids when it comes to college football. Someone's got to, let's see, uh, not really much response from anyone else um, on anything. Yeah, JG, how about making commercials keep the same level of volume as the game? I despise the increased volume explosion during commercials on television. Yeah, I mean, that that does happen from time to time. Uh, Better ESPN Plus broadcasts, uh, depending on who you're watching. Uh, Maybe that'd be an outside-the-game type of thing, because there's some that you catch on there that are just, you know, uh, not the, the best, and I think they've tried to... To improve that, that's nitpicking a little bit of just outside the game what you could change. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't want to nitpick it too much. I mean, I think the issues are glaring. I think uh, a big part of the problem is all the court stuff. I don't think people are um, necessarily entertained by that. I think there are people that are interested in it. I am to an extent, but I don't know. I might go quiet here in the next few minutes when we're talking to midwinter because it's just not really my wheelhouse and it's not really my interest. But I, I also know there's people on Twitter who – love all the law and order stuff that's going on with college football. And, and Mitt Winter's probably one of them that love all the, the different lawsuits going on and all of that. So, I mean, it's not just on the field, but it's the off the field. And it's not just the on the field that pertains to your team. It's that pertains to the entire sport. And if it's not that, then it's realignment. And if it's not that, then it's something else. So, yeah, it's been a, a very busy last couple of years. Uh, there's no signs of it slowing down. And uh, lawyers are – and you know, and that crew are, are you know, are definitely um, enjoying the fact that there are so many things up in the air right now when it comes to the legal system. But I think it's just a product of where the sport finds itself at a crossroads of what it's trying to be, what it actually is, and what it needs to be. And there's just a lot of different parties with different, um, I guess, agendas in play that make this a very complicated, you know, thing to try to sort through. And there's a lot of issues that just because of mismanagement or refusal to 
to do what was right probably initially um, and refusal to budge until you were sued into having to budge, a lot of things have piled up on their plate that they never really cleaned off. So now it's like one thing after the other, and that plate's like, you know, tipping over. There's so much on it right now. And so I think that's kind of just where college sports finds itself in general, college football in particular. And because we talk about it every single day, um, and I don't want to sound like we're whining or anything. It's just that it's just it's it is a lot and it's constant. Um, that's uh, that's led it to feel kind of almost burdensome at, at some points and times where you're like, oh yeah, the game. Let's talk about the game because there's a million other things that have nothing to do uh, with the actual between the lines that are that are going on on a daily basis. I have mint winter scheduled like we had Dan Lust last week, like we've had a couple of others. And Jeremy Fudge, who runs the uh, or part of running. Uh, as far as GXG, BaylorBears.com, their NIL collective, because you know what? I'm not smart enough to understand it all. And so Mint Winter will come on to try to help us. There's a, there's a law. What is the case right now, Paul, that is out there that I'm not saying it will have the impact of O'Bannon or whoever well, it's else. The NL, uh, National Labor Relations Board yeah. case. So that so, maybe even have a bigger impact. So, so. maybe he can help us uh, at least uh, understand it a little bit. There's a lot about targeting, a lot about what Craig said about commercials. And there's also some. Here's one from Payson Cougar fan. Portal signing day needs to be in December for January enrollment. The, the, uh, for spring practices. Yeah, that would be great, but it is right now. Signing days in December, the portal is a lot of it you enter and then you make decisions in December. But the, what, when Wisconsin opens up their spring semester might be a month different than Stanford and a month different than Tennessee and a month different than somebody else. And so that's what maybe really uh, uh, is a struggle there. It's like all four burners boiling over on your stove, Craig. That's from BU at 12 with Patrick. Yeah, yeah, it, it is, it is kind of like that. You're right. And, and one pot is NIL issues. Uh, one pot's the actual games it's it themselves, the bowls now, as we're into that. One is uh, recruiting-based, and the other is legal battles. And I guess it depends on how many burners you have on your stovetop because if there's room for a couple more, we could throw a couple more things on there, realignment. Um you know, uh, there's there's an abundance of issues that haven't even cropped up yet that could, depending on the results of lawsuits, become things now. Title IX, for example. So, yeah, that is what it feels like, and that's fine if you got a good batch of cooks and you got people who can and handle the pressure and all of that, but it is somewhat overwhelming at times uh, when it is just kind of never-ending, and if anything, nothing actually goes away there's just like somebody just rolled in a brand new stove and plugged it in next to the other one, and now they're throwing a couple more things on there. It's just like at what point does it get too hot in the kitchen? And that's what it feels like with college football right now. And to be very clear, love college football, but, um, I mean, I think it's apparent in every interview that every administrator or every lawyer or coach does, and you saw it boiling over with Chip Kelly yesterday just talking about realignment alone, much less all this other stuff. So, like I said at the very beginning – to kind of tie this up, uh, I can't imagine what it's like for the coaches and those actually knee-deep in all of these issues and facing them on a daily basis. So, yeah, you get handsomely rewarded and you make millions of dollars if you're Chip Kelly, if you're you know, Lincoln Riley, if you're Nick Saban. Um, but, you know, it's not not just kicking your legs up and uh, just going to the beach in the offseason hits anymore. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of things that you're dealing with that you weren't dealing with 10, 15, 20 years ago, even five years ago in a lot of cases. 
Tom Rucker makes a great point on the targeting story, uh, or at least the decision. And this is one that makes more sense to me than all the others. If you're playing the next week, you miss the second half or first half, whatever. Safety, uh, Derek, uh, uh, Derek Williams of Texas was hit with a targeting call against Oklahoma State. He will miss the first half against Washington. That will have been almost a month after the game. Yeah. And, and the rule is that if you get hit with a targeting call, you can't play the next half or the next game. But that, that even, man, that was like the opening kickoff of the second half. So he missed a full half. Those are the rules, but yeah, that does just seem to be uh, a pretty extreme. And yet, three or four, three and a half, four weeks later, he won't play in the first half against Washington. Yeah, look, and I, I think if it's your, if it's your first one, like, or I mean, you know, if, or if they're spread out, if you have one in game one and one in game nine, you're not a serial targeter. But if you have four or five, then yeah, you've got a, you've got an issue that you. You need to to maybe sit down for a half or a whole game. I, I don't know, but um, but yeah, the, the whole like they're out for the first half of the next game to me is is silly. All right, when we come back, Mitt Winter. Also, uh, we did add, as I mentioned, Brandon Marcello two four seven to the five o'clock hour. We'll hear from Neil McCready on Ole Miss on Lane Kiffin contract, the transfer portal, Walter Nolan, Spencer Sanders, which is a story we haven't discussed yet. Who's done? With college football in a kind of a way you don't even hear that much anymore. Uh, this is 365 Sports. TexasBeefHouse.com had a great conversation with Aaron Duvall on the phone a couple of days ago. I mean, if you are looking and it's too late to have any product sent to you for Christmas, because I mean, it's less than a week away. And we've had Samantha Duvall on. I think that the date was like the 13th or 14th of December. They have now done a couple of auctions. And you, our audience, responded, among others, but you responded. And some buying, like, not just 5 to 10 or 20 pounds, but 30, 40, 60, 100 pounds of product when they had their most recent online auction of the great steak, the Wagyu, aged Wagyu beef at their farm, their ranch, right outside of Tyler in White House, Texas. TexasBeefHouse.com with steaks, tri-tip, brisket, sausage. You want it, they have it. In the deep freeze I have on my back porch, there are two or three boxes that I have of TexasBeefHouse.com product. And, I mean, it is loaded with greatness. It's not just Wagyu beef, which is elite. It's aged Wagyu beef. And they'll have it for you whenever you want it. You can go online to TexasBeefHouse.com. You can call the number there. Samantha Duvall's in charge of marketing, taking orders, and they will get it done for you. And it's a great, just a thought, stocking stuffer, a gift card or certificate of an order that you buy for a friend, a client, or family member from TexasBeefHouse.com. Call can make all the difference on and off the field. I'm Mark Stewart with Bird Colgen Ford. When it's time for a new car, truck, or SUV, Bird Colgen Ford is the right call. Come check out our award winning lineup of best selling models in their class, like the Mustang, Explore, Expedition, F 150, and Super Duty. Make the right call for your next vehicle at Bird Colgen Ford. Bird Colgen Ford proudly supports Baylor Athletics. Sick'em Bears. 
Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco is your holiday item superstore. Half spiral hams, 8 to 10 pounds for $4.45 a pound. Pit hams, 12 pounds for $4.45 a pound. Bone-in hams, 18 to 22 pounds for $3.40 per pound. Whole raw turkeys from 12 to 16 pounds for $2.50 a pound. Whole smoked turkeys, that's smoked turkeys at 9 to 12 pounds for $3.75 a pound. And many pit hams, Six to eight pounds for $5.99 a pound. And don't forget, they have full service butcher shop where you can find what you want, pork, poultry, seafood, and beef. And I bring up the beef because big beef tenderloin or a prime rib. Brian Bauer and the Bauer family. Full service bakery with fresh baked kolaches every morning and bread. And cold beer and wine. Tailgate needs from pellet fuel to charcoal. Waco Custom Marketplace and the holiday items, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend's Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. Somebody said that if, in fact, Williams wanted to Enter the NFL draft, would he be suspended into the NFL? No, not at all. A- at all. Um, but it is a rule that you get suspended in the second half because of targeting. You miss the next half of the next game. And that's what we're talking about, the, the, the thought that uh, Tom Rucker brought up when it comes to Derek Williams of Texas. Uh, there are a lot of you who are Missouri fans pumped up about everything you're doing. And what Eli Drinkwitz is doing. They are, of course, the Caden Green story. There's others they flip. They're also just making – they're 10-2, and two, and it's almost like everybody forgets that. They're 10-2. and two. Um, UW fan Jim, the suspension is hard, but we need coaches to teach better fundamentals. If we don't get the head and the neck injuries under control, the whole game could be in jeopardy. I think that what college football, the NFL, has done, I think there was the kid from uh, – the, the player from Pittsburgh got suspended for the rest of the year because of multiple incidents about what they consider either targeting or going for somebody's head. Yeah, DeMonte KZ, yeah. coach of the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is always – Used to play always, for the Cowboys. What? Used to play yeah, for the Cowboys. Used, yeah, I know who he is. I just – I didn't – yeah, I, I it was Pittsburgh. I, I didn't – I forgot about the fact he played for Dallas. But the point is, is that they're trying to get out of these concussion lawsuits and trauma and all of that, CTE. 
So I, my problem with targeting is it's not what the rule, it, what they're trying to get fixed. My problem is it's the fastest hell game. And there are some times when I see targeting at whatever level where I just don't know if anyone understands the speed of the game is so good, so high level, that it's almost impossible to curtail. That's me when it comes to that. Tracking down mint? Nope. Nothing? Nope, not yet. Okay. Uh, look, you're, it's, it is, I, I think you've seen, you know, a decline. I, I, part of it is sometimes I think the people who want something eliminated want it like, okay, let's stop forest fires. Okay, so let's make sure there's no more forest fires. Well, sometimes you can't. It naturally occurs, right? right so you right. can't do that. So I think that's part of this with targeting. It's just going to be over time. And sometimes, yeah, you've got a guy like Demonte Casey who, who clearly is kind of reckless when it comes to it, and he, he plays that way. Uh, then you have guys that, you know, yeah, it happened. You know, like, all right, well, you know, sometimes lightning strikes a dead tree and you have a forest fire, like nothing you can do about it, you know? So, yeah, I think that it needs to balance out. But, yeah, I think coaching coaching is going to, you know, has, has gotten better, I think, on this because you do have so many rules across all levels of football now that, you know, horse collar tackling used to be legal. So you can't – got to coach that out. Like you can't – you know, you see somebody do it in practice, you're like, hey, kid, you can't do that. Like – Let's get better. Let's get better. And, you know, we'll see it. And I think it, it's already had an effect. It probably just doesn't have the effect that, that people maybe think of it or they think it's, it's, you know, maybe more rampant because it affected your personal team in a way that, you know, what was very direct. Yeah, and so there, there you are with that. I'm not sure what, what's going on with Mitt. Uh, looking forward to that. And here we are. We're not going to get him. We do have Neil McCready. And we just, I just saw Del Rice, hotty toddy. Going to join us today, Neil McCready, a little bit around 4.30 uh, with that. All right, so let's look at what uh, – there is a little – go ahead. Do you, uh, you need some? you want something to talk about? No, let's let's talk about, about DJ Lagway. Okay, or DJ Lagway. Let's... DJ Lagway, who's an a a unbelievable player uh, out of the Houston area. His dad played at Baylor. He's been committed to Florida and Billy Napier forever, and there have been some, I see, from those who follow – uh, recruiting quite a bit of smoke, how realistic it is that maybe you might have A&M or USC involved. I, I don't know if that's the case. You never know about what happens the last day before National Signing Day. Uh, if you're a quarterback, do you want to play for Lincoln Riley? He's got a pretty good track record. You're right around the corner from A&M. Uh, we just saw what Dylan Riola did from Georgia since May, committed to Nebraska. Your thoughts about DJ Lagway, and then we'll get into Sean Bell too. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see what what happens. Look, Florida's got a really good recruiting class, but they lost a big time safety to Texas uh, just yesterday or the day before. Um, they're you know uh, they're six and seven and five and seven under Billy Napier. So uh, you know NIL can can do a lot of things, but they also had a big snafu with Jaden Rashada and NIL a year ago. So those things, whether they're solved at Florida or not are kind of out in the ether. So those are always going to be things that are, are used against them. And if you're DJ Lagway and you're one of the top quarterbacks in the country, I, I, you know, A&M notwithstanding and Mike Elko, but that's fine. They're, they're even 
uh, you know, they're less proven in that. But if you want to go play for a coach that's going to probably put you in the NFL, it's Lincoln Riley. So when he sneaks in and starts saying, hey, you want to come here, and they've got open spots, especially now with Malachi Nelson in the water, uh, in the portal, uh, I mean, that that to me, if I'm Florida, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of worried about because, you know, what can you offer him outside of money and outside of you're the quarterback of the future here in Gainesville, if this is where you want to be, then – I can promise you that, like, you know, I've got a proven track record of, of NFL quarterbacks and Heisman Trophy winners behind me. Uh, it's very interesting to get all the way down to the wire after a guy's been committed this long and has been very vocally a leader of that recruiting class for Florida. I mean, I was seeing Chomp Chomp and all sorts of stuff all over his timeline for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, uh, when the season was ongoing, and, uh, yeah, to now see this, I mean, I guess just – Nothing surprising when you get close to National Signing Day. I mean, Austin Novosad was committed to Baylor for basically an entire year. No, 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 I'm good. No, 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 I'm good. No, 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 I'm good. I'm signing, I'm signing. And then the day of, suddenly, let's just rip it all out and just just tear up this relationship built over the the last couple years. And I'm going to go chase the the bag at at Oregon and then subsequently never see the field and and probably now end up in the transfer portal. He's thrown four passes in his college football career. That's four more than I realized he had thrown. I mean, because I I wasn't sure if he had appeared in a game or not. I don't mean that flippantly. Like, I just – I don't recall him having seen the field, and I didn't know if maybe he got in at the end of a game or something. So good for him that he he wasn't completely, uh, you know, blacked out from playing at all, but um, that was a signing day stunner, and it was one of a million that have occurred. I mean, just in this internet era, these things were happening before then. It just wasn't as highly publicized. These things were happening in the early 2000s. It's just, I think, the crowd following along is a lot bigger than it used to be back then when it was just really rivals and maybe scout to some extent, but not like these big, huge, you know, companies that are owned by bigger, huger companies like they are now. Um, but, I mean, this is part of the recruiting deal uh, is, you know, having the big surprise or the big flip and, and all that comes with the territory. But uh, because of all that, yeah, I'm not surprised, you know, having said all that, that DJ Lagway the night before signing day is is rumored to be on the fence or perhaps flipping. I mean, he's just one of probably a dozen guys that that conversation's going about in some circles. And tomorrow, guess what? We'll see some guys flipping that have been committed somewhere for a very long time. But this one in particular would feel like a death knell for Florida as a program. And Billy Napier, what little momentum that they have coming off of last year. Not a death knell that ends his time in Gainesville or that they can't ever recover from that. But, man, it sure makes it a lot harder to try and sell – the future, the present, and also believe in what's going on if you have a quarterback commit dipping on you on signing day like that. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's one thing if you're, you know, uh, uh, in, in a battle with a guy who's been kind of on the fence. It's it's another thing if you're maybe a lower program and another bigger program comes calling. But when you're Florida and you're in the SEC and you're this and that and, and that happens, I, I think with where Billy Napier is in terms of success or lack thereof right now, I mean, that's just a huge blow, and he can't really afford much more. Like, he's already taken some punches. He can take some more, but that one would be kind of a, in a blind spot, I, I would think, because it's, it sure seems like based on the way he'd been talking for so long, he was as locked in as you could get. So it just goes to show you anything can happen in recruiting. Um, maybe this is all just drama for nothing, and he signs and 
cracks a big smile and says, I was always going to be a Gator. I don't know, but it's not something I would want to be worrying about if I was a Florida fan, but it appears that you are at least uh, having to worry somewhat on, on DJ Lagway uh, on the eve of National Signing Day. And, you know, various sites have their National Player of the Year today named the Max, Press National, Max Preps National Player of the Year responded. Wouldn't be possible without my amazing teammates. This is our award. Uh, that's what he should say, and good for him for saying that. I don't know. What's going to happen? But the Novosad thing, speaking of which, he was recruited by Sean Bell, the quarterback's coach at Baylor, and uh, on the weekend prior to National Signing Day, ended up on a flight out to Eugene, Oregon, uh, and they wanted their quarterback. And he's four passes in his career. Now you have Dylan Gabriel for a year. Now you have uh, uh, Dante Moore from UCLA who's on the roster. And so maybe he starts to look at somewhere else he wouldn't be the first but Craig you wanted to bring up Sean Bell over the weekend he was hired by Willie Fritz his brother Brian's already on staff who played for Fritz at Sam Houston State Sean Bell now the passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Houston yeah I mean that was a surprise I wasn't expecting to see Sean leave but I can totally understand when you are a guy who's been kind of shuffled around on the staff and you're a person who is a quarterback by trade and you're working with quarterbacks and now you are no longer going to be working with quarterbacks because Jake Spavitol's come in. You're going to go back to tight ends where you were before. And um, all due respect to all the great tight ends out there, that's not the sexiest move in the world to go from quarterbacks as a former quarterback and a guy who I would imagine wants to call plays one day, mm-hmm. a guy who would love to be a coordinator one mm-hmm. day, and he's not getting anywhere closer to doing that in Waco. Um, at least it's, it's hard to see where that opportunity was going to come. They just had an opening at OC. What did they do? They went and hired Jake Spavital. What did they do once Jake Spavital got? They gave him Sean Bell's job as quarterback's coach. Yeah. So where is his opportunity going to come into play here? It's just it's hard to see it unless the hope is that he learns some more for another three years or something along those lines, and then Spavital takes – you know, however that would work out to where one day he eventually does get that opportunity – uh, I, I don't know how that was that was going to happen anytime soon here. So when I saw it, I was initially surprised. But then again, you're thinking about the situation, not that surprising at all that he wants to go and go grab hold of that opportunity, go play, um, you know, or not play, but go coach with a guy like Willie Fritz. I mean, just shake up his resume a little bit, throw something new on there, a different place on there, a different coach working under on there, and a guy who's highly successful and well-respected. So I think the move makes all the sense in the world for Sean Bell. Uh, the only reason it doesn't make sense for some people or the only reason it's even questionable is just because he went to school here. But as we see that uh, all over the place, that's the case with every coach imaginable. They all go all over the place. A lot of them go coach the rivals that you never thought they would go coach for. Um, so that's just part of the, the job and part of the uh, up-and-coming uh, you know, nature of bouncing from you know GA to position coach or GA analyst, position coach, coordinator, all that. He was kind of in just position coach per, you know, middle ground and not really moving up or down, just kind of there. And so it seems like he'll get a bump up here. I'd imagine he's getting a little pay bump as well. His brother's coming along with him, who's also a guy who's a little bit further behind, but is up and coming, was, you know, working as an analyst, obviously, and is is now going to add more on his plate. So uh, it makes all the sense in the world. It's a tough break for, I mean, Baylor from the standpoint of that's a legacy guy, and it was a big deal when you – had him get hired under Matt Rule. That was a big play to the fans of bringing this guy back, and he's a Texas high school coach at the time. And so you had a lot of things going for him. But 
That was like five years ago. I mean, he's been here five years. What more does he can he do and need to he do? He started out, yeah, remember? So he's, as he's done everything he, except for jump to coordinator, and that's not going to happen here. Um, he has a better opportunity going to Houston and and seeing that that'll take him there sooner. He took he became the offensive line coach when George De Leon had health issues. Uh, the longtime coach that had been in the NFL and also had been on, on Matt Rule's staff, then tight ends, um, then he became the quarterbacks coach. And now he's been moved back to tight ends coach. Yeah, I think he's been more than patient. And with uh, Jake Spavital, I think everyone realizes a really good hire by Dave Aranda. He's the offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach. Sean Bell moved to tight ends. If you're Sean Bell, there's an opportunity. There was always, I thought, a chance, depending on Joey McGuire at Texas Tech or Matt Rule at Nebraska, if something opened up that he might look there. But it ends up being Willie Fritz, the connection to Brian, also knows Sean Bell and who knows if maybe that might lead to Austin Novosad playing for Sean Bell after all in college at Houston. Well, that would be interesting to see. I, like, we asked Phil I, we asked Phil Bennett about, you know, like he left his alma mater, right? He was at A&M first, and then yep. he left. And he, he coached all of the leagues at LSU and Kansas State and Pitt and SMU and Baylor and North Texas and, uh, you know, back at A&M. And he was, he, he was good at all those stops, you know. So um, it makes you – it's going to make you a better coach. Look um, – a lot of times, coaches want to leave and go somewhere else before they do come back to their alma mater because that way they, maybe they're more ready to deal with their their expectations. And so, yeah, he's been – like, he got the on-the-job training he needed. But like Craig said, you know, his path to being a coordinator is, is blocked. You know, it was not going to happen for him here at, at Houston. It, it, it gives him a better opportunity as now the passing game coordinator. Uh, now, what that means as far as who calls the – actual plays is you know that's to be determined you know by Willie Fritz and the staff but yeah it's it's a better opportunity for him it gets him out um it gets him it te- it's gonna le- he's gonna learn new things I think it's only gonna be a good thing for Sean Bell yeah and uh I think for Houston fans it's a great hire I mean Brian Bell was a successful high school coach won a state title at China Spring just down the road and then joined the staff as an analyst but Sean um had preceded him by a couple years and he himself was a successful high school coach didn't win a state championship but was also at a bigger school um at a higher level uh with uh round rock cedar ridge right yeah they compared to he China was at Spring. magnolia west and then oh cedar ridge was they played midwest it's 5a 6a versus they were, I, uh, I think they were a high 5a at the time a. eventually are now in so, the 6a level but yeah. i mean he was he was doing that and so i think those are two guys who uh, have been recent high school football coaches that have recently, you know, been in the college game for the past couple years. In Brian's case, as an analyst, and for Sean, as a variety of different offensive position coaches. So um, they're young in their careers. They're up and coming, and this is a great spot for them to grow and improve. I think it's a really good hire by Willie Fritz. I think it's an exciting hire if you're Houston fans because I think everybody and their mother believes that Sean Bell is going to be an OC one day and is going to be a really good one, if not a head coach. And this is a, a way for him to continue down that path. But in the meantime, what all he's learned and been able to take uh, through the experiences he's had to this point, now with some new eyes and uh, some new people around him in a new place, uh, that's only going to continue. And I expect him to flourish. And uh, who knows, maybe we're talking about, you know, Houston's red-hot OC Sean Bell here in the next few years or, or something along those lines. But I think that if you ask Joey McGuire or Matt Rule or – uh, Willie Fritz or whoever that they all believe that he's a guy who's going to be around this game for a long time and be pretty good at it. And so from that standpoint, I think it's a really smart 
hire by Willie Fritz uh, to grab not just Sean, but uh, Brian Bell as well. Yeah, and, and again, Nova side, that's just uh, – it, it, we don't try that, to do much speculation, yeah. but we're just saying with what's happened with Dante Moore and Dylan Gabriel, it would make sense. Maybe he goes to hell with them. I want to try to see what I can do here. And if he does that, God bless him. I mean, you'd love to see that more often. But if, in fact, he does move somewhere else, if that happens – that would be an option, you would think, because of the connection yeah, I mean, to Sean put, Bell. It's just putting two and two together. I mean, he's not going to see the field at Oregon um, as a starter anytime soon, barring massive amounts of injuries, which would be like – I mean, it would take um, what happened to Ohio State years ago to, to whittle down to your third quarterback. And, and is he even the third quarterback now? I mean, he's at best the third quarterback. Um, I don't know that for sure. It might be somebody else in that room. But I would think that not, Oregon has others on the roster too. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, you only have so – got. Okay, there's maybe four or five guys, so you would think that two years on campus, your big prize recruit, you've gotten recruited over now multiple times, but you think he's at best probably three. Um, so he's not going to see the field regardless of if he's three, four, five. Um, and so with the Sean Bell connection, the fact that Houston's not just locked down at quarterback for the foreseeable future, yeah, that would make a lot of sense um, when the time comes for, for Austin, I guess, to make that decision. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. It's been a busy stretch for Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss when we come back. Neil McCready, he covers Ole Miss, has a podcast, part of Rivals and more. His thoughts about their surge in the transfer portal. Garrett Ross, who's an LSU fan, is like, damn. That's a team that was already good, just outside that high, high level, and they are having themselves, uh, as we've heard with Sarkeesian in Texas, uh, you've seen some fans talking about, in fact, I saw Sark tweet, a heater, we're on a heater, and and that's what Ole Miss has been with Lane Kiffin. Plus, what's going on? What happened with Spencer Sanders other than what the news or story had last night? This is 365 Sports. So think about being a locally owned and operated company and doing your job and doing it well and having a customer base that's really, really good. And, and then at, in the last 25 or 30, 40 years, you start to have these big box companies, big national brand companies that can have a ton of product and lower the cost because they have a ton of product. And in some cases, whether I've lived in East Texas or here now in Central Texas, at times those big, huge stores can knock out a local business. You just can't keep up. You can't keep up with enough product, and because of that, you also can't keep up with the, the, the price. It's, and, and next thing you know, you're gone. You're overwhelmed like a tidal wave. That's what's great about Pioneer Steel and Pipe. On in their new location just east of I-35 in uh, Waco, on I-35 and uh, off of I-35 and Loop 340 and Highway 6. Bigger, better, faster, stronger. They dealt with the blow after blow after blow of these big, huge, massive companies coming into Central Texas and Waco, and they kept their customer base, and it extended their customer base because they have always done it the old-fashioned way, with a handshake and making sure you're good. And it's still about price. They still were able to compete because of what their relationships were with the product of which they sell, which a lot of things, pipe, steel, and metal, building things. Metal buildings is one of their expertise. They know the contractors, and they can get those in touch with you if you're trying to build your own metal building. Pioneer Steel and Pipe, a year ago, moved into their brand-new building. The distribution, the efficiency of when you go pick up the product, whether it's a pickup truck or a trailer or an 18-wheeler, whatever it might be, is better than ever, and it was already good. Pioneer Steel and Pipe, just east of I-35 in Waco on Loop 340, Highway 6 at PioneerBoys.com. Oh, Richard Carbuick. 
You want to know why Stonewood Dental is so successful? Listen to what happy customers have to say. It's pleasant. It's different than any other dentist's office. I really feel like they care. And it's not that you're here for two hours waiting on someone to take care of you. It's quick and easy, and, you know, I bring my kids, and my kids love being here, too. They really love the treasure box. (laughs) Staff is really nice and accommodating, real friendly. You feel more like home. It's not sterile looking. Everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor, and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold. I've recommended people to actually come here, and they are patients now. I really love it here. It feels like family. Learn more, stonewood-dental.com. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB, your bank for life. Member FDIC. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrip off I-35 in Carrollton. Developed by Startup Waco, a nonprofit organization, GXG is a program designed to support the entrepreneurial development of Baylor University student-athletes through NIL activations. GXG works with partners and donors to offer a suite of options to student-athletes, including connections with local businesses and nonprofits, entrepreneurial development, and other avenues to broaden the NIL profile of student-athletes. The program helps student-athletes maximize their platforms and offers a comprehensive support system for them to create and grow new businesses that not only benefit themselves, but also uplift the local economy. Fans who wish to support student-athletes can donate to GXG via the GXG NIL Fund, BaylorBears.com slash GXG. Donors may wish to support the general fund or direct funds to specific sports. Oversight of the NIL Fund is managed by the Board of Directors of Startup Waco and the Baylor NIL Advisor. Council. GXG is a program of Startup Waco, a tax-exempt organization under Internal Revenue Code Section 501c3. Donors should consult their tax advisors regarding the tax deductibility of donations to GXG. Contributions to support NIL activations through GXG can be made at BaylorBears.com GXG. For more information, follow at GXG underscore GreenXGold on social media and visit the official website website www.gxg.startupwaco.com This is 365 Sports powered by Sikkim365.com 
The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Back when Baylor played Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl, Neil McCready was somebody that we got to know discussing that game, but also Ole Miss even after that, and he joins us on 365 Sports. Neil, what a, a busy time. Ole Miss is rolling in the transfer portal, recruiting elsewhere. Um, we're going to get to Spencer Sanders in a moment. I just saw the note. Lane Kiffin now gets himself a contract extension. Is it about as good as it can get right now for them? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Um, I mean, there's kind of only one place they can go from here, and that's into the playoffs. And they're clearly pushing all of their chips in and attempt to do that next season. But, yeah, at this moment, I mean, when you look at the last three years for this program, they've won 28 games and uh, two access bowls. As you know, they played Baylor in the Sugar Bowl a couple of years ago, and now they're in the Peach Bowl this year against Penn State and uh, won 10 games for the second time in three years. They did that a couple of years ago when they played Baylor, like I mentioned, and uh, have a chance to get 11 wins for the first time in program history in the same season. And Kippen's got it going. Nobody – Nobody works the portal better than he does. I'm sure there's some that maybe work it as well, but nobody works it better than he does. And he's starting to recruit at the high school level better. And, uh, yeah, they've locked him up. I think he's happy. Um, you know, I think he, when he first got here, he had a certain degree of wanderlust. And I think he kind of wondered if the program could get to this place. And, and it has. And I think he's, he's more content. I don't know that Lane's a particularly content person by nature, but I, I, I that's probably the wrong word. I think he's more. Uh, I think he's more optimistic that that he can do big things here, and it helps that they're going to a twelve team playoff next season. And um, yeah, kind of everything. Everything is pointing in the right direction for them. What is the latest on Walter Nolan possibly joining that massive uh, class of transfers, especially the the two they already have on the defensive line? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I wish I could get it answered so that I could stop. Uh, stop having to write about it and talk about it because, <laughs> honest to God, I'm kind of ready for a break. But, um, you know, I think they lead. Um, I think if it were up to Walter, if it were up to his mom, it would be done. Uh, Ole Miss has put together a uh, very significant NIL offer. I think it's significantly higher than any other offer that I know of. I know there were some rumblings last night about Georgia. I don't think that's as serious as some people were uh, were intimating that it might be. There's still some talk about Texas A&M, though when I talk to people who were sort of around it, they don't really buy that. Um, it sounds like everybody would sort of prefer to kind of go in a new direction with Texas A&M making a change and uh, all of those things. So at the end of the day, I mean, look, I, I think it's easy for fans, not you not you guys, but it's easy for fans to go, oh, Wednesday's signing day. He's got to go ahead and do this. I mean, he could wait till a month from now and, and you know, start school and wherever that is and, and uh, go through spring and be ready to, to go in the fall. And Walter Nolan doesn't need spring for what that's worth. So he technically could wait even longer than that. But um, I, I, there was an expectation here that there would be resolution here pretty quick. And Others think that he'll take another visit or two in January. The uh, portal, the visit window opens up the 3rd through the 7th, I think. 
if you're a mid-year enrollee, and he is one, and he can still take other visits. He went to Oregon. He went to Ole Miss. There's talk that he could take another visit or two. Um, but, look, this, most of these decisions are, are NIL-based, and, and um, I would have to think that if the numbers I've heard on Ole Miss are right, and I suspect they are, that that would be a pretty tough, pretty tough offer to top. Neil, I mean, looking at uh, the transfer rankings right now, they've got, what, three of the top 20, four of the top 30. I mean, DeCamry and Richardson. Uh, you also had, uh, what, Tyler Barron there, Princely Human Melan, um, and Juice Wells. I mean, uh, uh, as this thing just continues to stack up and potentially get even bigger, but what has stood out to you as far as their acquisitions and uh, which one kind of, I, I guess, uh, is the, the biggest one in the eyes of, of Ole Miss fans right now? Yeah, you know, I can't speak to what the fans think, but um... – to me, it's pretty obvious that you know they went to uh, they went to Georgia. I guess they were eight and one, and highly ranked, you know, highly anticipated game against the two-time defending national champs. And the truth is that they got their ass kicked at the line of scrimmage, <laughs> and and they saw it. You know, I mean, it was one of those deals where it's like it's like that moment where you you get up and you put your pants on and they don't fit. And, and you can you say, hey, did you put these in the dryer or, or what? Happened? No, man, you got fat, and and you got to lose weight, and and that's it. they had that moment of reality on that day that, hey, we have hit this 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 plateau on this tier of college football, and it's good, but it's not title contending good. You're playing a title contender, and you're just getting your ass kicked at the line of scrimmage defensively. And what has stuck out to me is they went out and they got an SEC linebacker from Arkansas. They got SEC defensive linemen from Tennessee and Florida. Um, they got DBs from Oklahoma and Tennessee and Indiana and Illinois. They went out and got Power 5, major conference, experienced veteran dudes with size that can match up better the next time they're in that situation. And the truth is they want and intend to be in that situation next year. Now, will they be? I don't know. But that's what they anticipate. And that's what they, they're planning on. And they it's why they want Walter Nolan so bad. It's why that they have such a significant NIL offer on the table for him. Is They need that talented, elite, defensive interior guy that can hold his own against a big, dominant offensive line like the one that Georgia had that mutilated them like Athens. Neil, was this past season a wasted year for Spencer Sanders and now he's done? Yes. Yes. It was the craziest, dumbest, most idiotic thing I've ever seen. I don't I, to this day I don't understand it. I I mean I, I don't even care and it's almost frustrating. It, it's <laughs> like for him I mean it, I don't care. It doesn't do anything to me. I don't have to wink a sleep over it, but I think about it I'm like wait. Now I, he got a good NIL deal. I I'll, to this moment I don't know whether Lane Kiffin you got to go back, right? Because we do the hindsight thing and it's so easy to go well Jackson Dart had a great year. Because he did. He had a great year. Jackson Dart didn't finish the 2022 season particularly well. And I think Lane Kiffin got in his feelings a little bit. And they went out and they got Spencer Sanders. They paid him a very nice NIL package. And Spencer got here in January. He wasn't healthy. He had the shoulder injury at Oklahoma State. 
and he really couldn't go through the spring. I think maybe that they thought Jackson Dart would take his ball and go home, and he didn't. And maybe they were just trying to motivate Jackson. I, I don't know. No one, no one will talk about it, like, at all. And so, but Jackson said, no, it's my job, it's my team. And he proceeded to have a really strong season at Ole Miss. And Spencer stood on the sideline. And when the game ended, he was the first person off the field into the tunnel. And he didn't go to class, and, and which is no surprise to anyone. And he's not on the team anymore. And I, I mean, this was his last year. He could have gone to Auburn and been the starter. He could have. Mm-hmm. You can't convince me that he couldn't have gone to Mike Gundy and said, hey, can we hug this thing out? You, there's no way that you can convince me he couldn't have done that. But he could have gone to so many places and been the quarterback. But maybe he just got such an NIL package and he knew the shoulder was hurt. He was like, I'm just going to take the money. I, I don't know. We had we had no media opportunity with Spencer Sanders after about the first week of August. So I, I haven't spoken to him at all since then. And um, this company out of – I can't remember where. They, they had done this NIL deal with him last year to do a, a show before Bedlam. And – they couldn't. They couldn't do it, but they'd already paid him, and so they wanted him to fulfill the contract. And they called me, and they wanted to do the show. And I kept saying, "Guys, previewing the Egg Bowl against Mississippi State." And I was like, "Guys, I, I, what do you want me to talk to him about? I mean, I'm not going to do some fluff show. I mean, if you want me to ask him what happened, why are you here? Do you regret being here? If you could do it over, and like, oh, we don't want that kind of show. I'm like, well, then I'm not your guy." I don't. What do you want me to talk to him about? We'll talk to him about the Egg Bowl, but he doesn't know anything about the Egg Bowl, and he's not going to play. And so it was. It was, it was just a bizarre deal. You know, here's a guy as you well know because you guys are in the Big Twelve. This is the offensive player of the year in the Big Twelve. This is the guy that threw for basically ten thousand yards. I mean, this this guy did things in in one of the top three leagues in the country. And he just sat on the bed. It was bizarre. I'll never really understand it. I mean, it just – and it wasn't like he had time to, to play with. Like you said, he, it was his last year, and he spent it doing that. And, and he couldn't have been happy. It had to be had to have been miserable. And maybe one day he'll talk about it. But it, it it's weird. How do they feel? I mean, they also got Walker Howard in that same portal cycle. And to yeah. me, that would have also, you know, if I'm Lane Kiffin, that probably serves as a little bit of a push to Jackson Dart. Like, look, if you're if you're not good enough, then we're just going to go to the future now, uh, which is Walker yeah. Howard. So, yeah, it just seems to be a waste all around. And they Do they still feel good about Walker Howard as the future of the team? Yeah, I think so. You know, like Luke Altmaier, who finished that, uh, that Sugar Bowl against Baylor, you know, he transferred, he went to Illinois. Um, and so they had to add a quarterback, and it made sense when they had the opportunity to add Walker Howard. And, um, nobody scratched their head at that. It was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. He's a guy for the future, and et cetera, et cetera. And, and then they bring Sanders in at the same time. You're like, I'm baffled now. And then they even added a kid that uh, up to classification, Austin Simmons, who had been committed to Florida. He reclassified. He came in. Super young kid, a lot of potential. I mean, you, you understood that one too. I mean, you want to stack the room. It just Sanders, Sanders didn't make sense. And, and you know, the explanation was, look, it's our job to put as many good players in one room as possible. And yeah, I get that. But to pretend that the quarterback room is like the defensive line room or the linebacker room is kind of disingenuous, if you ask me. But look, 
I'm not making nine million dollars a year, and it worked out for uh, for Lane and for Ole Miss. And if the goal was to motivate Jackson Dart and piss him off and get him to play at a really high level, it worked. Neil, uh, when it comes to signing day tomorrow, a lot of these high school players, I mean, a lot of it can get sort of lost these days in the shuffle of the transfer portal and whatnot, but how do they feel about the class they're expecting to bring in with uh, signing day starting tomorrow? This is their best high school class that they've put together since they've been here. You know, Lane got here in December of 19. and You all remember the silliness of the spring of 20. I hope I don't get you in trouble for saying that. I mean, I, I think in hindsight we can all admit that was sort of ridiculous. But, uh, you know, paralyzed his recruiting for a year, really, year and a half. And, uh, you know, and then he had to throw together a class. This is his first class that he's built off, you know, maybe that 21 season and an access bowl and some stability and, and the Auburn rumors and, and flirtation from last year's behind him. Um it's a, it's a really solid class. They were picky. They didn't take a bunch of people because they know they're going to they're going to jump in the portal. They're still working on a couple of different guys. That one's committed to LSU, and uh, one's sort of a head-to-head battle with Mississippi State that could sort of go either way. But they added some real quality defensive linemen. I think they've got one five-star and maybe twelve four-star prospects, which, um, for their standards, is a really strong class. And and. But, you know, you're right. The, the crazy thing about it is you, there was a time not so long ago where there would be so much buzz about this recruiting class and signing day and all that stuff. And it's, it's all about Walter Nolan and about what, what they're going to do in the next wave of the portal in January. And uh, Ole Miss has built their program the last two years, especially this past year, through the portal. And it appears to be the, the mode that, Lane thinks works the best and that I think Lane's most comfortable with. And I think the fans, for the most part, have pretty much followed suit. That's what they get super excited about is all the portal stuff. On a scale of one to whatever number you want to use, how much was the hiring of Jeff Lebby uh, at least noticed in Oxford? (laughs) 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 Uh, I mean, pick a number and I'll go really close to that number. Um, Lane had... You know, when Lane got here, Mike Leach got the the Mississippi State job, and they were buddies, and uh, they liked each other. And and Lane never really tweeted about Mississippi State. He kind of left them alone. He uh, lost to to, uh, to Mike in what ended up being Mike's last game, God rest his soul. And, and uh, but Lane never really paid a lot of attention to State. Jeff Levy gets the job, and within a day. Lane's dog Juice is tweeting about Uncle Jeffrey, and uh, yeah, they, I mean, I'm going to assume that that wasn't the Labrador Retriever doing the tweeting. Uh, I mean, if it was, then we're completely off the rails. I got to think that was probably Lane, and uh, yeah, he, he notices him. I, I I don't think they hate each other or anything like that, but they certainly view the world differently, and they view the job of being a head football coach differently and they probably view the way they build programs differently and I think Jeff felt like and he's probably right that he deserved more credit than he got for the way that Ole Miss got off to such a fast start in the Kiffin era and um, you know I don't think they hate each other but I don't think they exchange Christmas cards either so it yeah it's there's more 
uh, social media uh, animus directed towards Mississippi State now than, than ever before. And Lane just took one of their players out of the transfer portal. If you told me they take another one before it's all said and done, I'd, I'd, I'd believe it completely. Uh, they're recruiting a kid out of Starkville right now, Braylon Burnside. That most people assume will end up at Mississippi State, and, and Ole Miss is very much entered at probably a coin toss here the night before signing day. So, yeah, there's there's a little there's a, there's a little there. Neil McCready with us, Ole Miss, right here on 365 Sports. You know, Neil, we're talking about how the the high school classes almost get overlooked now, and it's going to be you know a change when we look at how bowls look in the future with this expanded playoff. If this were the 12 team playoff this year, I mean, Ole Miss would be right there at that back end, right, uh, buying for mm-hmm. one of those. 12 spots instead they're in the peach bowl uh, against penn state uh just what's kind of the feel around uh you know this upcoming game and expectations is there an excitement is there kind of that lull we've felt with some of these other bowl games how would you describe it yeah it's interesting you know if this were a playoff year they would have been the 11th seed um they'd be playing i think it was at ohio state mm, in, in the first round which you know i think we all would agree that the 12 team playoff is going to be a lot of fun mm-hmm. um you know, they got pretty juiced up for the, the Baylor game two years ago uh, against uh, in, in New Orleans. And I think that the way that they lost that game kind of put a bad taste in their mouth. And then last year, you know, they were 8-1, and one and they, they finished the season with three straight losses, and, and they had no interest whatsoever in being in the, the Texas Bowl. Uh, Texas Tech did, and you could see it. Um, you know, Texas Tech beat the hell out of them, really, and Ole Miss didn't really care. Um, this time around, I, I think it's somewhere in between. They're, they're super excited to be in an access bowl. Uh, they're excited about playing Penn State. But I, I get the sense that a lot of their attention right now is, is, is more on the future. And I think they'll show up and play the game. Don't get me wrong. I think they'll, they'll, they want to win it. They want 11 wins badly and all of those things. But uh, their their attention is is on the fact that this time next year it'll be a 12 team playoff and if they can do what they did this year and probably do what they did in 2021 they'll make that playoff and um, they're they're really focusing on building a roster that can be better poised to contend in 2024 than they did in 2023. Hey, man, an exhibition against Penn State, a top-10 team in Atlanta, that's, that's cool and everything, but going and playing the Buckeyes for a chance to advance in the playoff, like, that's that's really cool in my opinion. I know everybody's got their different yeah. their different feelings on the playoff and everything, but that just sounds no. so much nicer, yeah. I mean, that Saturday or whatever, however they do it, two on Friday, two on Saturday, or whatever they do when they play those on-campus games, mm. I mean, those are going to be really cool. I mean, whether those games are in College Station or, you know, Oxford or – Columbus or Ann Arbor or Tuscaloosa or Norman or wherever, Waco, wherever the case may be, I mean, hell, that's going to be awesome for the sport. I mean, those those environments at those respective campuses will be absolutely out of control. It'll be a first, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in college football, you don't, you don't get a lot of firsts anymore. I mean, they've been doing this a while. I mean, the first playoff game, at Bryant Denny, can you imagine? Oh man, the first playoff game at Bryant Denny when Michigan comes in there. I mean, that's wild. And then, you know, they'll get the the national quarterfinal games. I think it's really cool. I love the setup. I mean, I like bowl games fine, 
But like last weekend, there were bowl games on TV. I I, I just couldn't make myself turn that stuff on. I, I mean, mm. you're telling me that. I mean, look, I grew up in North Louisiana, so I feel like I can make fun of it. It's not a reward to go spend a week in Shreveport. <laughs> it's not. I grew it's up in East Texas, so I'm, I'm very I, familiar with I, Shreveport. I, yep. I used to live there. Yeah, yeah. We've all been to the Independence yeah. Bowl at one point or another. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I played high school football in that stadium. I mean, I don't know that kids walk in there and go, wow, man, we've arrived at the big time now. I mean, I, I, I just – it's fine, but this is good for the sport. This is This is good. They – It'd be a lot more fun to see 11 seed Ole Miss go to Columbus and take a shot at, you know, one of the, the two powers of the Big Ten to see what that looked like. It would be a lot more fun to watch, you know, Georgia as a five seed go play a 12 or, you know, a two lane get a shot at, at, at in Athens. I mean, at least it would have some – like the NFL playoffs start in a couple of weeks. Even if your team's not in it, everybody watches the playoffs. We watch the NCAA tournament. We'll we'll turn on the NCAA tournament and watch Creighton versus Utah State because it's a bracket. We like brackets. We like tournaments. This that's just what we are. And the bowls are just these things. And all the players opt out. Who could blame them for opting out? I mean, I can't blame a kid for opting out of a meaningless game when his professional career is right around the corner, or he's got invited to the Senior Bowl, or I mean, people go, oh, he owes it to his teammates. I get that. You owe it to yourself and your family. No one's going to opt out of a playoff game. We're going to see teams at their playing at their, at their most intense level, maybe not their best level, maybe not their healthiest level, but we're going to see them give their most intense efforts, and that's going to be fun to watch. And most of the bowl games, yeah, I mean, Ole Miss, Penn State, and Atlanta, it might turn out to be a great game. But at the end of the day, when you're watching the fourth quarter of that game, no one's going to be on pins and needles going, man, there's a lot on the line here. There's nothing on the line there. Nothing really. Now, if it's Ole Miss, Ohio State in a first-round game and it's 20-17, to 17, you know, two and a half to go, and Ole Miss takes the ball at their own at their own 35, trying to drive down and tie it or win it, Everyone's hanging on their feet because the hanging at the edge of their seat because the winner's going to Texas next mm-hmm. week, you know, in an or you know to a bowl game to play Texas next week in a national quarterfinal. There is a lot on the line. Which which one's more exciting to you guys? I mean, I know what I know what my answer. Is. Oh, yeah. oh, I'm I'm all I'm all for it. Like make it sixteen. I don't care. Let's, yeah, there let's... was there was a time when there were not forty bowl games or forty two where you could get the fifteen or seventeen, and it wasn't three or four in a day until New Year's Day. It's gotten to the yeah. point now. I, I'm like you, Neil. There were games played, and I happened to turn the channel, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to them, but, I oh, there's a bowl game. And it was a great one yesterday while we are on the air. We mentioned it a couple of times, but appreciate your time. Great well, stuff. Well, I'll tell you guys. Let me, let me give you a fast anecdote. You'll, you'll appreciate this. I lost a bet last year, and I had to go to the uh, Potato Bowl in, in Boise. And uh, I had to go, and I couldn't wear a coat or a jacket. I had to go in a T-shirt and sit through the whole game. And um, it was Eastern Michigan and San Jose State. And I forgot something at my hotel, called an Uber back to my hotel to get it. And then I'm getting back in, and, and I told the guy, he goes, why are you going to the stadium? I said, going to the game. And he's like, what game? And I said, the bowl game. He goes, what bowl game? This is a guy in Boise. We're driving right by the stadium. Um, they had no idea. I mean, they didn't, even open the, they didn't even open the concession stand on the main grandstand for the – famous Idaho potato bowl or whatever. I mean, 
you can't tell me that's super meaningful to to the kids that 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 that's the atmosphere they go to. It's just it's a it's a made for ESPN event, which is perfectly fine. But call it what it is. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate your time. Neil you McCready with us uh, covers Ole Miss for Rivals and and also his own podcast and much more. We appreciate a lot of the insight from the like what the hell was Spencer Sanders thinking to. Kiffin's extension, Walter Nolan, and much more. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a ton for off the radar, so okay. I'm not in a big rush to dive well, right into it. We we can talk more here. We have Brandon Marcello at five ten, so we have a little bit of time now, and then also with off the radar. So yeah, the Spencer Sanders thing. I mean, that's just that's just the one of the worst decisions that's been made on a guy's uh, when it comes to a guy's eligibility and his landing spot that we've maybe ever seen. I mean, yeah. honestly, I mean you you are in a market where guys who have done a tenth of what... What has Dante Moore done compared to Spencer freaking Sanders? Whew. What has Dante Moore done compared to Spencer Sanders? And that yeah. dude just went and got a bag from Eugene, yeah. and he's going to sit back and wait. Now, I know eligibility, there's there's a difference there. I mean, Dante Moore, young player, has you know years left, but Spencer Sanders could have gotten a bag all over the place. And he chose the one place where he didn't end up playing. That's what's just so bizarre about it. And that very clearly didn't have, like, an open quarterback spot. They had a conversation where you could say, here's how Spencer Sanders ends up the starting quarterback. But it also involves him beating out multiple other guys to get that job. Whereas you're seeing quarterbacks left and right sliding into starting positions where they're guaranteed to start um, and make money. And, you know, get the the most out of their value and all those things. And he got some money, and that was about it. Like, didn't even finish school. I mean, he's he's ineligible for the, the bowl game. So you weren't even going to class, as Neil pointed out. You weren't playing. I, I just, I'm sure he's a great guy. And, and I, you know, hope he, he maximized what he could while he could because there's not, like, a big, bright NFL future out there for him. And I just, I think that's one of the biggest fumbling of the bags. And hopefully it is a lesson for other players in the future of, like, this is grown folk stuff now. Yeah. Like, this isn't yeah, just, there like. there are consequences. Yeah, there are yeah. actual consequences to, you know, bluffing. And there are consequences to calling out your head coach. And there are consequences to threatening to leave if you don't get your way. And he, unfortunately, is going to be a case study in exactly all those things that I just mentioned. He made some money, but he also, I think, lost some money because had he gone out and played this year and played 12, 13 games and had a really good year and just done some of what he did at Oklahoma State, maybe on a you know team that was involved in, in a conference race or something, gotten attention, there's a case to be made, especially the way NFL uh, – you know, offenses and, and styles are changing. Is like, you know, maybe guys uh, who weren't going to be the most surefire quarterbacks 10 years ago are now the guys that we're seeing as, like, the dual threat. I mean, he's a dual threat. He's, you know, he, he's not a perfect quarterback by any means, but it seems like the, the league has evolved to where a lot of these great college players are able to transition over to the NFL a lot better. So who knows what kind of opportunities would have been there had he come off of a great year. And instead, it's just like, what are the NFL teams looking at now? A year where you didn't play, you chased the money, you left your old school where you were the incumbent and basically did it disrespectfully, didn't finish your classwork, so you weren't even eligible for the bowl game. And I, I just Was he the Big Twelve offensive player of the year one year? 
Uh, I, I mean, he said that, and I couldn't recall off the top know, of my he, head. Look, he was the year that Baylor played him. Look, in the he was certainly league? in the yeah, yeah. He's yeah. in the, the conversation, conversation for if he it. Didn't want it. I mean, there's yeah. we can Google it okay. and find so out. So he's he's. Gonna, I love watching if, Spencer Sanders. He was a little bit of a, a mad scientist at times. I thought he was fun to watch. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Smokey. I know Wet Blank and, and look, others are like he's great. Okay, I love watching. Okay, him. so look, if he would make an NFL roster and hang around, he's going to make six figures a year. Right. Right? So even the practice squad, you're going to do pretty well. Now, his best shot, like maybe he does that, but since he didn't play, and then you just heard what Neil said, look, okay, so he's going to probably be in the XFL. So when you talk about costing yourself some money, it's $59,000 a year average. Now, look, for most people, a starting salary out of college at 59000 is a great deal, but when you could have been making $259,000, to do the same exact thing at another place, then, then it's bad. Like in that, so that's what's weird to me because Auburn, like he, like he could have gone in there, not played in spring, not played the first two weeks of summer camp, and been the starting quarterback at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Like he could have taken as long as he needed. There was no competition. You know, he wasn't. You know, and look, I, I kind of feel you hear like the story about Levy and the story about Spencer Sanders. It feels like Lane Kiffin got out of those people what he needed, which was a kick in the ass for Jackson Dart and then, you know, picking Levy's brain for offensive acumen and then they 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 all move on. But with Spencer Sanders, like Miami, like would have sent uh, Tyler Van Dyke to the portal a year early. Like there have been a lot, a lot. Barry Crawford, I asked Oklahoma State fans if they could respond about Spencer Sanders. Was he someone you like? Was he beloved? And Barry Crawford, he was, but he burned his bridges and we don't care anymore. Yeah, that's also what he did too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, you know what? There will come a time where he's like inducted into like the cowboy. You know, like something. There will be an honor for him at some point down the line. Like, and not anytime soon, mind you. But you know, there, he'll probably realize his mistakes and he'll have become the Jesus, and then you know, try to patch it up. Right? We see that quite often, and I'm sure that that could be very well in the cards for him down the line. You know in Stillwater at some point, but man, it's going to take some time because he did. He took a flamethrower to that bridge on the way out. He basically forced them into a decision they weren't even having expecting to make of, what do you mean you're talking about leaving? You got a year to come back. We were just in the Big 12 championship game a couple years. Like, I mean, and then you basically, I mean, call call him out and, and basically give him, a, you know, an ultimatum of sorts or give me what I want or I'm leaving. And it's like, Mike Gundy's like, I'm not... Who the hell are you? He's like, one of the guys that you're not going to do that yeah, to. Yeah, I'll go yeah. get Alan he Bowman and like we'll it. just run a billion times behind yeah. Ollie Gordon. Like, I mean, yeah. it's so, so that was just a, a really poor mistake on his part. I think we've, we've, we've all established that, and I don't know what's next for him, but if he had had a big year at Oklahoma State, we'd be talking about where does he line up in the draft or where does he fit in on the next level or what's possible for him. And instead, we're talking about a case study in example A of why – you don't do what he did, and and hopefully that that is a learning tool for for future players. We got to come back. Craig's off the radar. You want to do it here? Uh, yeah, Evan Stewart has entered the transfer portal. I thought he already had, but I guess he never did. But this is from Chris Hummer and also Matt Zenitz that Evan Stewart, a fantastic wide receiver at A and M, has officially okay. entered the portal. Let, let me throw this out there so we can do it. Do you want to flip? 
Like, we'll do uh, Marcelo. Like, stay here for a second. Do Marcelo after the next break. And then we'll do that after that because that's going to. Yeah, we, yes. could, we could do that. We could go. Yeah, Brandon was expecting us to call him at 510. But we, we can, we can I mean, come I don't, back. I can just do these things right now. I don't have All a right, lot of go, time go. Uh, to, to take up go. here um, with the off the radar. So, here's off the radar. Uh, not much in the way of. of Big headlines, uh, but we have a couple that we can get to here, starting off with the fact that Aaron Rodgers, I, I feel eye rolls already, I feel yeah. like when his name gets brought up, but he was on uh, the Pat McAfee show and did make mention that he is not coming back this year, so that is, that's how slow of a news day, I, I, I normally wouldn't have mentioned that if there was like 10 other stories to get to, but it is sort of a slow news day, and I know nationally that actually is probably the biggest story. But for us in our little world, it's not necessarily the biggest thing. Um, but he is saying that he does intend to play in 2024 and beyond. Um, he still has some time to go on returning from that uh, Achilles injury. Um, and he you know, was trying to, to say that he was going to hopefully be able to come back. But I uh, went on to, to add, if I was 100% today, I'd be definitely pushing to play. But the fact is, I'm not... He just underwent surgery back in September, and it was always unrealistic to think he'd be 100% or get medically cleared during the regular season. But he was working his way uh, as though they were going to make the postseason and that he'd have an opportunity to to do that. So um, that little it, it, it's amazing to me they have not made the playoffs in 13 consecutive years. The Jets. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I it's saw that stat. amazing, I like, and then again, it's really no, not all that surprising no, not. when you yeah, kind of right. see what they've been for the past 13 years. But I mean, yeah, there, there's you know been some some probably close calls there in making the postseason. But uh, yeah, so. Uh, they could potentially, I guess, activate him if they were going to, you know, allow him to practice, but uh, that'd be just taking up a spot on the roster. So they still have the faintest of, uh, or they didn't have, they had the faintest of hopes going into last weekend and then got beat by uh, the Dolphins. So um, that kind of just brings a close to that story that Aaron Rodgers is not going to be uh, back this season. So uh, take that for what it's worth. Meanwhile, uh, Cowboys Bills uh, get into the TV ratings on occasion. And for uh, this past Sunday's game, an absolute butt whooping. I mean, we hadn't talked about that at all. I'm sure we will get into it with... Uh, Paul paid me off not to. Mickey on Thursday. But uh, your thoughts on just that that we saw on Sunday, especially oh. coming off the week prior. And then you okay. see what happened last night, which I'll get into in a moment. But, uh, man, Cowboys Bills, I'll, I'll say this on it, though. A full-blown national game uh, on Sunday. Sunday in that window, 26.34 million viewers on Fox, largest audience of the weekend, 20% jump from a similar game last year on CBS. So, yeah, 26-plus million people tuned in to watch the Bills beat up on the Cowboys. They make the college football mega games look like Like nothing, like preseason numbers. Uh, And and with all due respect, the 7, 8, 9, 10 million in the uh, college gets. Double Ohio State, Michigan, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I... Um, All right, that's uh, enough. Okay, uh, yeah, I know. I think, uh, I mean, I, I don't like to, you know, throw the baby out the bathwater with one game, but look, there's a way to beat the Cowboys. It is run the ball right at them and take advantage of their linebacker situation, which is 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 not the best right now, and play from ahead where you can keep running the ball if you have to play from behind and throw the ball, they are not afraid of you on defense because they can just send their Micah Parsons and the rest of the pass rush army after you in droves uh, and go at you. But if you can just run the ball on them, then Micah Parsons, as great of a player as he is, is is rendered inert. 
You know, it's just like, well, there it is. So that's what the Bills did. The Dolphins are going to try to do it and then throw in the fact that they can just whip the ball deep on everybody. Um, if Tyreek Hill plays. But Jalen Waddle's still know, there. So, but like, yeah, like, but you know, if Tyreek Hill's there, it's going to make it Jalen Waddle's more valuable if Tyreek plays. Because yeah, then but yeah, got, exactly. Yeah. So, but if Tyreek plays, and he probably will, uh, you know, that'll be an interesting game. I think the Cowboys play better next week than they did against the Bills. But even still, that, like, they need to be at home in the playoffs because they're not very good on the well, road. They, they have the tiebreaker so, edge right now. Yeah, they, they do. So we'll see. But they're also not going to beat the 49ers. So why are we even worried about it? <laughs> well, so, they can avoid them an extra week if they yeah. end up winning the NFC East. Okay, go ahead, Craig. Yeah, well, we mentioned Jalen Waddle there as we uh, talk about the Cowboys and the fact that the Dolphins are coming down the pipeline. So uh, one former Texas native who was a star for the Crimson Tide will transition us into another Texas native who was a star for the Crimson Tide. And, oh, yeah, Oklahoma at the very in there Jalen Hurts last night Monday night football this was uh, key for Cowboys fans as well watching along and I think helped soften the blow of uh, the blowout loss on Sunday to the Bills as Philly falls to Seattle 20 to 17 how about Drew Locke Um, Drew Locke getting it done there at the quarterback one spot for uh, Seattle with Geno Smith out and a lot of talk about Jalen Hurts you know the fact that he was sick uh the reports were out there. He was going to travel separately from the team and all that. You wondered how he was going to play. And, well, 17 of 31, 143 yards, two picks. He did have a you know a nice day on the ground, nearly 100 yards and a couple of scores. But uh, Seattle, uh, late touchdown pass from Drew Locke in a beautiful catch. And uh, what a win for the Seahawks and what a loss for the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football. Yeah, Philadelphia is just they've, – they've looked good at times. It's very easy. But they've been playing with fire, and the fire caught up with them in Dallas, uh, in Arlington, and it had caught up to them last night. They had a lead. I don't know if it was 17 to 10 or 17 to 13. There was eight minutes to go. They had the ball at about the Philly, uh, the uh, Seattle 45. And on first and 10, they threw a deep ball. It was intercepted at the goal line by Love, who also ended the game with a pick. It was almost to me like Nick Sirianni was like, you know, we're winning, but man, we need to look good winning. No, you just need to win. And it event it just didn't make any sense that particular time because they were moving the football down the field, could have taken more clock off, maybe kicked the field goal, and had a two-score game. Yeah, I'm, ne- I'm never sad when the Eagles lose. I, yeah, uh, I'm sure. And a very traumatic experience of having to sit and watch them win a Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> I know it's a weird, it's a weird thing and to get to turn see. around and play like, another one. Hey, here's the deal. I just sit and, like, watch that. Like, I was at the Super Bowl having a blast and got to see Justin Timberlake and all this stuff. And at the end of it, like, it occurred to me, I was like, ah, crap. <laughs> I just had to watch the Eagles win a Super Bowl. It was still great, but like at the end of it, you're like, ah, yeah, you know, they've won one and played it, in one. It's yeah. also minus 400 degrees out here in Minneapolis. I've got to walk through that crap. Uh, but yeah, no, it was. It's just, Jalen Hurts has just not had the kind of year that they they need him to I, have. I, to I get saw back. him scrambled yesterday. He was a yard away from a first down. I know he's protected himself, but he didn't. He got the first down on the, the push, whatever. But it just seemed to me that he was not. Like, well, he's strong in that well, moment. Yeah, he had the flu Not all week or whatever he had. What is so, he to play? I, yeah. I know that, but I'm just saying he's been – he's just been a little bit – a little bit brittle. Not that he's not tough as hell he is, but I, I, I don't know if he's – he would admit it, but I don't think he's 100%. Yeah. yeah, well, he definitely wasn't. He was, he was sick and not expected to play initially. He traveled separately from the team. So, I mean, it was he was clearly not 100%. But, I mean, if there's something else that, you know, is possibly going on, then that could very well be. Well, um, he said something in the postgame. Do you hear what he said? 
We're not all locked yeah, in. I mean, not everybody's locked in. Yeah, I was speaking more to his health. But, yeah, um, yeah he said that, and that obviously was, uh, I'm sure, a big talking point and conversation on Philly radio today where they're they're probably in panic mode but yeah those comments got taken a certain kind of way and um you know now they're they've gone from the penthouse to just kind of wondering what the heck is is going on here um so meanwhile uh you had that going on last night and we'll talk more Cowboys coming up on Thursday with Mickey uh, but I think I'll just leave it with uh this here uh just one college football game tonight as bowl season Rolls on along. You did have a, a wild and very fun game uh, last night. Western Kentucky beating Old Dominion yesterday afternoon, as we talked about on the show. Uh, that win in overtime in the famous Toastery Bowl. Well, tonight, uh, UTSA at Marshall. Battle of coaches who are rumored in the carousel but did not get the uh, the bump up in, I, I guess, uh, the, the coaching jobs uh, here in the Scooters Coffee Frisco Bowl. That'll kick off at 8 p.m. on ESPN, ESPN Plus from Frisco Texas Toyota Stadium, UTSA at Marshall. And the interesting thing about this is it's the only bowl game tonight. It's the only bowl game until Thursday. And that'll be, uh, you know, a, a day we could talk about that. It'll be South Florida and Syracuse. But um, the Roadrunners are expected to be without Frank Harris. Okay. Uh, as he is uh, banged up and he is uh, not uh, likely to play against Marshall. Um, as you see there with Pete Thamel. A final decision not expected to warm us, but he's pretty banged up and has been banged up throughout the year. And why this is significant is because this is going to for sure be the last game that Frank Harris ever plays in at the college level and the last game he ever plays for UTSA where he's been for six years now. So uh, what intrigue that game had, it definitely loses a little bit. Owen McCown would be uh, the next man up at quarterback, and he's played a bit this year because Frank Harris has been <laughs> uh, beat up. Him. Um, and he's a guy that, yeah, Jeff Trailer likes a lot, but it uh, looks like it could be Owen McCown. We'll see at game time, but that would be a real shame for Frank Harris to not even be able to suit up in the final game. He has an opportunity to play, even though he's played in a lot of games for uh, UTSA. So there you go. That's tonight, 8 p.m., UTSA Marshall, Frisco Bowl, and there's a few things off the radar. And then we'll have Brandon Marcello. Here's one. We'll ask him about this one. This is uh, Max Olson on Evan Stewart. A&M stud receiver entered the portal. Uh, and, uh, of course, now that, of course, opens the door. Didn't have a great year because A&M's quarterbacks uh, did, weren't all that great. I, I'll, I'll, I'll push back against the quarterback thing. A&M's coaching wasn't that great. All right, there you and, go. Uh, and that's all why right. there's a different one. Well, he's now open. Somebody in the chat room said, would it be too close if he all of a sudden ended up in Austin? No, I think that's where he'll end up, I, I wouldn't be surprised. We saw Drake Dabney, not the same type name, tight end that might have a pro future, go from Baylor to arch-rival TCU. That wouldn't be the same thing, but it's nothing now surprises me with what might happen. Yeah, I mean, that's that's nothing alike. And Evan Stewart was deep in uh, Texas, you know, um, I, he was getting recruited heavily by them during yeah, the recruiting process. Texas process. or Bama, I would say, are, yeah, the, are the top two for him, unless there's a dark horse that pops out there and, you know. Yeah, I don't think that they ever stopped recruiting him. No. There's been rumors about Evan Stewart in Texas going on while he was at A&M this entire time. So, yeah. um, if I had to put money on it, I would bank on Texas. But then again, yeah, Alabama, I mean, a number of other teams will come calling for him because he's a really talented player. Do you know um, who I think he is? I think he's this year's Keon Coleman for whoever gets him. Yeah, he, he could be. He could be. I mean, but it's – I, I'm like you. I saw it. And I'm like, wait, he wasn't already in. That's how much it's been I talked about, was, that yeah. he was basically on his way out. And 
And so I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him head to Austin. But, again, there will be a number of suitors for him, and uh, that's a big loss for A&M on paper. And, you know, and to, a, to a greater extent uh, as a player, I just don't feel like he's fully fleshed out what all he could be uh, there. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's a tough loss. Maybe a refresh for him will be a really good thing. Depending, no matter where he ends up, probably he's going to end up with a lot bigger numbers. we got a break. We come back. Brandon Marcello, he is next on 365 Sports. Marco's Pizza. Pizza lovers get it. Bob Mock owns five stores in the Waco area. Hewitt, Woodway, Robinson, China Spring, and Bell Mead. They have delivered their product to us on occasion, and it's always been really good. Uh, Marco's Pizza, from what you want when it comes to the various Magnificos, Pepperoni Magnifico, where you can't see anything but pepperoni. Pepperoni Sausage Magnifico. Well, you can't see anything but pepperoni and sausage. It's just slammed with it. They also have this Hot Honey Magnifico sauce if you want to put it on your pizza. $3 off large specialty pizza. There's an order now online. Use the code word SPECIAL3. You can call in. You can pick up. They can deliver to you wherever the location is closest to you where you live. If there's a Marco's, the fastest-growing pizza brand in America, Marco's Pizza, marcos.com, pizza lovers get it. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one-size-fits-all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254-759-8533. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. Richard Carr, Buick, GMC, how lovely are your SUVs? Oh, Richard 
365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Ben Erlinson, who will navigate you through today's financial climate. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Hall of Fame columnist John McClain around the corner. Paul's top five in about 35 or 40 minutes. Brandon Marcello at any moment is going to block my number. Probably should have. I contacted him again today. He wrote the article about Matt Rule, Dylan Riola. We'll get to that. But Brandon, since then, um, Walter Nolan is still in the portal. And now Evan Stewart has entered the portal, which I thought he had done a month ago. But I guess not because he was not a part of the highest prospects. Your thoughts about this news? Uh, not necessarily surprising, but you know, I was actually just going back and looking. Uh, that 2022 Texas A&M class, about half of it or maybe over half of it now is gone. And um, now the officially the top two highest rated players from that class are gone. Walter Nolan and Evan Stewart were number one and number two at those spots, both number one at their respective positions nationally that year, both top six recruits nationally regardless of position and uh now they're gone it's a it's a, absolutely a new era not just for texas a&m but college football yeah i, I was just scrolling through it myself and um before i even got to the fold there's only one guy who was who's still there and it's connor wickman so uh what um what do you think that it was that jimbo did like how did this all go awry for them so fast that was it culture what what happened that all these guys are now with the coaching change gone and mike elko couldn't do anything to keep them well, I, I think obviously they came there to play for Jimbo Fisher and whatever structure was there in place, they they wanted to be part of it. And then, of course, the last year or two, or the last two years, really, things started falling apart. And when things that you were promised and told were going to happen over the course of two to three years obviously don't happen, and then there's a coaching change, a lot of those guys are going to look to get out and look for a softer landing spot because their careers – are not going to last forever. They're coming to a close very soon. And if they want to win and win right away, you know, let's face it, they're probably not going to do it at Texas A&M next year. And after next year, a lot of these guys would be going to try and go to the NFL anyway. So it's probably best for a lot of these players individually and selfishly on their part, which, listen, that's what college football is nowadays. you got to look out for yourself. And this is the best time to leave. We were just talking to Neil McCready uh, about uh, Ole Miss and what they put together. Lane Kiffin signing the uh, contract extension, and uh, they're in on Walter Nolan. Uh, what have you thought about the the Rebs and kind of just the teams that have emerged here uh, early in the transfer portal cycle as, as being amongst those that the most active? Uh, they're certainly right there at the top. Yeah, and they have been, you know, for the last three years. That's a Lane Kiffin, you know, trademark, a stronghold. They need to improve that defense from this past season, obviously. But this is a team that they're building right now to win immediately next year. Obviously, they're winning 10 games this year, but they're a team that could potentially challenge in the SEC next year. And they're adding those big pieces, and they're able to sell that to some of these players, including Walter Nolan, who were kind of expecting to go to Ole Miss. At this point, 
these players believe that they can contend for an SEC title next year at Ole Miss. We'll see if that pans out, but um, here comes that window, thanks to the transfer portal and obviously some high school recruiting, but mostly through the transfer portal. That's where Lane Kiffin has done a really good job here these last three years. Brandon, what did Dylan Riola's commitment to Nebraska, he could have gone anywhere. He was committed to Georgia. They uh, had recruited him, Matt Rule, before. What did that mean, in your opinion, for Nebraska? I think it wakes some people up across the country a little bit that, hey, one, this is kind of a beacon on the hill, kind of some uh, a little bit of a light, some hope for Nebraska to maybe attract some higher-rated recruits, not necessarily in this class, but maybe next year and the year after that in those recruiting classes. You know, Nebraska is always going to be able to contend on really good years to be a top-20 recruiting spot with their recruiting classes. But what someone like Dylan Raiola coming in as the number one quarterback in the 24-7 sports ranking, what he can do if they win some games next year, and he's the starter, by the way, that will attract those type of players to where maybe Nebraska can bend and get a top 10 signing class next year, which would put them in a spot to maybe start contending in the Big Ten two or three years down the line. This is that first big step. This is an inflection point, potentially. We'll see if Nebraska can capitalize on this. But listen, on paper, this is the best recruit they have ever had in Nebraska in the modern internet recruiting era. Highest rated recruit. And listen, this was a perfect storm of circumstances for them. They got him because of the family ties there. His dad was a, mm-hmm. was an all, all big 10, or excuse me, all big 12 player there on the offensive line his uncle is the offensive client line coach there right now and of course they've got a pretty good nil structure and they really went all in on him on the recruiting phase here this last year so um but what was surprising is that seemingly he kind of just fell off the map for them in the summer and it was like well he's just not going to come here he's actually going to go to georgia this time and then this last week everything changed Brandon, where are you hearing about some of the transfer quarterbacks like Cam Ward, Will Howard right now? Not much. I don't cover the transfer portal all that much, guys. But, um, you know, listen, Cam Ward, obviously, a very hot commodity uh, among Florida State and Miami. Um, Those two programs have really been trying to go after him. Miami is very hot on the trail trying to get a quarterback. Uh, They're looking pretty much everywhere. There's been some rumors out there potentially about K.J. Jefferson who just left Arkansas officially. Um, But his stock has kind of fell off the map a little bit, and he's now looking at some uh, middle-tier Power 5 programs right now maybe. Um, But, you know, the program that really needs to be worried out there nationally is USC. They don't don't have a quarterback, guys. They don't have a quarterback for next year. They're going to have to go to the transfer portal or go start a freshman next year or something like that. And um, and they also have a bunch of other players that are leaving around them. It's uh, Man, things have changed drastically at USC just over the last calendar year. Maybe Oregon can loan them one, Brandon. Maybe. <laughs> Oregon's going to have – hey, listen, guys, Oregon's going to have the best quarterback room in all of the Big Ten next year. Um, <laughs> who would have thought that after losing Bo Nix? It was just like, oh, boy, who, what are they going to do? And now they got – Dylan Gabriel, and and now uh, one of the hottest freshmen out there that's very raw in Dante Moore. But, man, sitting a year behind a veteran quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, and getting developed, man, they they could be set there for the next three or four years at quarterback. 
I know you've kept up with the uh, the bowl opt outs, and we were talking a bit about that earlier. Have you seen that increase dramatically or decrease? Is it about the same that it's been? And do you anticipate that it will drastically change with the expanded playoff and, and more of these bowl games mattering as opposed to kind of the feeling that you have around this time right now? Yeah, the opt-outs will decrease next year. That's my expectation. It should. Uh, by my count, and I'm sure there has been more, but there's at least 52 players that have opted out this bowl season. And, of course, as the bowls get more important, the less opt-outs. Imagine that. And so, um, But there's also a possibility, especially that Orange Bowl, and we're seeing now Jared Verse opted out today for Florida State. Oregon, not Oregon, excuse Georgia's got a lot of players that might still opt out of that game. And, and I hate saying this, but it's really a game of no consequence to Georgia right now because they fell short of the playoff. And, you know, what are they playing for? Pride and maybe a trophy. But there's a lot of NFL prospects on that roster, quite a bit. And um, by my count, there's up to 15 players between those two teams combined that could opt to, to, to opt out of the game as they prepare for the NFL draft. And, um, you know, that's a game that could be looking a lot different on the field than what it does today. And having said that, well, we'll know more there here in the next few days, obviously. But I know Florida State just started practice today, and I think Georgia may as well for the Orange Bowl. So uh, they might be hearing some more rumblings coming out of those those two teams here in the next couple of days. If people are curious as to what their spring game roster will look like and play, that's what the Orange Bowl is going to be. Yeah, um, that's what this is. The bowl season has turned out to be in, in a lot of ways. Um, and you're seeing some of these games, like yesterday's game in the famous Toastery Bowl, Old Dominion jumping out quick, and then Western Kentucky coming back. It's just one of those games where it's, it, it almost just feels like a scrimmage. Like anything can happen. You could have three or four turnovers and still win the game because everybody's just out there uh, trying to figure everything out on the fly. Brandon, it also seems like the portal is kind of uh... – kind of uh over uh, i guess clouded the the regular just national signing day it's like oh we we're talking earlier it's like man this portal guy portal guy oh yeah they sign high school players and juco guys tomorrow for you um what is kind of the the storyline that stands out or, or maybe a couple storyline that stands out heading into to actual national signing day proper number one tomorrow yeah you know signing day we always look at it, we kind of look for flips right or, or the big signing day surprises or programs that are kind of waiting for an announcement of some sort and you know you look at the list and everything they're just not really quite a bit of drama potentially but actually one of the teams that i used to cover on a very close basis day-to-day basis is uh is auburn they could potentially be flipping a couple of guys here um in the next uh 24 hours which will be very very Interesting. K.J. Bolden, who's a Florida State commitment, number one ranked safety in the 24-7 sports rankings right now. Florida State's trying to keep hold of him right now, but um, Auburn's really, really trying to get after him um, right now. And then also, Georgia is coming in late potentially for him as well. Um, so keep an eye on some of those other guys. And I wrote a story as well today on the number one overall recruit in our rankings, Jeremiah Smith. He's the first receiver ever to be number one overall as a player in the rankings. And he's been committed to Ohio State for well over a year now, but he's had his ears open to Florida State, Miami, and Florida throughout this process, and he's hosted them in his home here in the last week or so. He continues to say that I really like Ohio State and something drastic is going to have to change it. And he's also just been very open with saying, 
I'm not about the NIL money. I don't care about that. I know I'm going to get it wherever I want, which a lot of people take as a shot to Miami because Miami's throwing everything they can at this kid money-wise. But I, I keep being told to keep your eyes open on that one just in case maybe something will happen, even though the kid continues to say that it's Ohio State right now. So we'll see if there's any really big signing day drama out there right now but right now i mean like the top 15 guys in the rankings pretty much locked up and, and ready to go to their respective schools yeah there's been some smoke about dj lagway what you're going to get as far as lincoln riley you mentioned trying to find a quarterback what can they do to change his mind if anything he's been locked into florida for a long long time uh, great stuff brandon thank you when you come on we love the segment the insight and the knowledge we appreciate your time and have a great week all right, you too. See you guys. Brandon Marcello, 247 Sports, with us on many things. Recruiting, the transfer portal, the Evan Stewart story that popped just I, – I, I like – I thought he had already was in the portal, and I realized, uh, no, because uh, he's not on that – the best available players I, list. I, I'd been following it really closely because I was very curious because a couple weeks ago he had come out with some Twitter stuff about how much NIL money he was really getting, which I found really interesting. Yeah, I mean, brought and, that up. That he, yeah. he was calling out the fact that everybody was – acting and this was a lot of it coming from Austin I believe mm-hmm. um that you know every player is getting like a million five the moment they step yeah. on campus and a brand new car and a mansion and you know like yeah. really playing it up that they bought their class and he yeah. was basically saying like I didn't get any money like yeah. when I first got like I didn't get jack uh, or not compared to what they they alleged I guess yeah I mean so um so yeah and hit Bobby Taylor uh, also in that class yeah he um, made a comment or two B- too yeah. Bobby Taylor's still there so uh, you know, he's one of the few. That 2022 class, I mean, you want to talk about one of the great whiffs in college football history of a recruiting class. That one might be the biggest uh, ever. Uh, and That's a part two of the best that never was, uh, 30 for 30. We went Marcus Dupree, the best yeah. player that never the best recruiting yeah. class that never was. I don't know what other contenders would be, but yeah, it seemed but, like it would be a safe bet. But just, I mean, the fact that you lost like five of the players in the middle of the first year. Like, in the middle of the first year, there are already uh, behavior issues enough to where you, well, you get... Speeding through parking garages. Yeah, you got Dumont, D- Demas? Was that... Devon, uh, him? Um, yeah, Chris Marshall? Him, though, yeah, um, I, yeah I mean, Denver Harris, Smoke yeah. Bowie, that was like... Denver Harris in the parking lot. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... That was his big lasting memory, I guess. His only... His biggest garage. highlight. Yeah, yeah so, um, you know, th- there were, were so many. But Evan Stewart, I, I, am, I am confident in saying this is was a victim of the the system and the way that like the just for whatever reason um Jimbo had just dug his heels in and I'm sure Bobby Petrino's like hey uh think we need to like drop some more stuff for one to get the ball and he's like no <laughs> we do we do what I say and so yeah I think he's this year's Keon Coleman I, I absolutely think that wherever he goes he is going to explode right away uh, it's well, interesting how fans look at this, but there's a, a, a response to Matt Zenitz about damn time locker room cancer. It's amazing how fans go negative so quickly. Craig, go ahead. Well, I mean, that's, that's fans. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what they do, especially fans on Twitter. I mean, I think that's, that's just kind of the norm now. Um, the difference is Paul, I think you're right. You're not comparing them as players because Keon Coleman's a lot bigger than, yeah. than Evan Stewart is. Uh, but Evan Stewart in a couple years, I mean, he had the type of numbers that you're hoping he'd have as like a freshman of like a thousand yards and a handful of touchdowns, but that's what he had spread out over a couple seasons. And so I, I do the Earl Campbell award stuff and check the, the, 
stats every week, and I was begging for an A&M guy to matter, and nobody did, I mean, on offense. I yeah. mean, nobody mattered that, that great, uh, especially in comparison to a lot of the other uh, players uh, from across the state, and uh, just the receivers alone were a, a tight group, and he never even got close to, to sniffing, you know, accolades as far as uh, mm-hmm. that goes. And um, I was thinking that you know AM would have some some dudes that would put up numbers, but they absolutely uh, did not this past season. And um, yeah, that's that's a guy who I yeah think you you look towards Austin and you look, I mean, probably throughout the SEC. And I'm curious to see who else comes calling for him, but. He'll be uh, an attractive option, I think, for a lot of teams out there wanting to dip into NIL and go get themselves a, a potential playmaker at wide receiver. Another story that pops, and uh, sometimes many of them throughout the day, that one in the middle of the day uh, of our story. In Lagway, he just came out with a tweet a second I ago where he's like Max Preps Player of the Year, and he put a little Gator um, emoji yeah. attached to it. So I think that got already like a 1,000 likes in about 10 minutes from – probably mostly Florida fans, and, and clearly there's a segment that's like, oh, there's nothing to that, but then he does that, and they're like, oh, thank God. He's, he's you know, he's cementing that he's going to be here. So until he signs, I'm sure there's going to be some nervousness, but unless he's just really playing mind games, he, he does look like he's going to be with Florida. Um, but it's fun to speculate on on these quarterback dominoes. I saw where uh, SMU got another offensive lineman from Oklahoma. Uh, golly, I just went blank on the name. Savion Bird. Um, ta- yeah, Savion Bird, another one that they, of course, everyone uh, knows that Oklahoma had their offensive line not rated, but enter the portal, a lot of them, if not everybody, plus going to the pros. Well, everybody's going to have to be reminded SMU's going to the ACC next year. And I, I, it doesn't even register with me every single time. But when yeah. you're seeing them make these moves, and if it was just typical SMU making those moves, be like, okay, cool, guy took a demotion to go play in Dallas. Um, but that's not necessarily the case now. Um, even though Oklahoma's moving to the SEC. I mean, he's going to be playing ACC football against the Florida States and the Miamis and, and everybody else. So SMU, a team to pay a little bit closer attention to I now agree. because these moves are going to matter a lot more than they've mattered in, in the last couple, three, four decades. When we come back, Hall of Fame columnist John McClain, Paul's top five around the corner. Uh, man, have we had to cover a lot and not had to. We've enjoyed it, although – It does seem like you get hit from every side with different stories before, during, and even tonight when we get home. This is 365 Sports. Don Chumador and Coffee Beans in the Townwest Shopping Center in between Richland Drive and Valley Mills in Waco. Went by there the other day to get some more Vita Dreams. Vita Dreams is a gummy, a CBD, that if, in fact, you struggle falling asleep uh, and you just need to maybe calm yourself down a little bit, it's not like you – I take them. It's not like you feel like you're drugged. It's like when you lay down, you go to sleep, and you wake up the next day, and you're like, man, you feel good. And and then you'll learn, do you want to take a half a gummy, a full gummy? All that is up to you. They have THC product called for bad days. For those with really tough, whether it's arthritic or whatever chronic pain you might have, the THC product that really does help you get through the moment, hours, and maybe even longer. And a 48-foot walk-in humidor. My favorite brand of cigar is Rocky Patel. I love their cigars. I love the guy. He's unbelievable. A tremendous giver and a really good person. And they have Ashton and Macanudo and Padron and Cohiba and so much more. Artua Fuente, Romeo and Julieta, I could go on. Romeo and Julieta and all of the other great brands inside that walk-in humidor with Ashley, Cheyenne, and Carol. In the Townwood Shopping Center between Richland Drive and Valley Mills in Waco. 
Ring in the new year with unbeatable savings on the new 2023 Ram trucks during the wrap-up-the-year sales event at Allen Samuels in Waco. Take advantage of this limited-time opportunity and start the new year in style. Shop our great selection in-store or online today. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Bears. Looking to connect with Baylor alums in your area? Baylor alumni can help. Looking to host a watch party in your city? Baylor alumni can get you started. Want to step out in your community and serve with other alums? Baylor alumni is your connection with the university and each other. Let's get started. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Samantha Duvall, TexasBeefHouse.com in White House, Texas, just outside of Tyler in East Texas. And another auction, Samantha, is gone. Aged Wagyu beef and so much more you have on your ranch. How did it go? And what is next? So we had our Very Merry Beef auction. We tried doing one completely online this time, and it went really well. It lasted for over three days. We are planning another auction January 30th. This auction will be an in-person, online also, a live auction like we did the first time. You come out to the ranch, dinner is going to be provided. It'll um, be a variety of steaks, hamburger, sausage, tri-tip, brisket, roast, all of the different Wagyu cuts. But we still have online our family bundles, summer sausage. That's a huge hit this time of year. It's perfect to give to teachers or hostess gifts or to have out on your charcuterie board for your Christmas dinner. We have those available online. Our last day for shipping is December 13th. That way we can make sure that you've got it there by Christmas. TexasBeefHouse.com. Use your Stick'em 10 code to get 10% So we just want to tell all of our customers, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and thank you so much for your continued support in the year of 2023, and we hope that you return to us in 2024. And they will repeat customers because the product is amazing. Aged Wagyu Beef, TexasBeefHouse.com, and this is 365 Sports. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. This is 365 Sports. The Sikkim 365 app is brought to you by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Come by, let's be friends. Hall of Fame columnist John McClain, also Houston 610 with us on 365 Sports, most every Tuesday about 530. John, um, what do you think is wrong with Philadelphia? 
Philadelphia has that Super Bowl hangover. Other than New England one season, no Super Bowl loser has gone to the Super Bowl the next season since the 90s. And I'm not sure why that is, because you'd think that Super Bowl loser would have more incentive than any team in the NFL, but it just catches up to them. And based on the way they're playing right now on both sides of the ball, I'm pretty confident they're not going to break that trend and become the first team other than the Patriots to go back since the 90s. Do you think it has anything to do with the fact that they have new coordinators? Could be. They lost two good ones to head coaching jobs. And and um, they, you know, last night they give up 92-yard drive to Drew Locke, a backup quarterback. That was embarrassing. It was in the rain. His receivers made great plays, but so did he. Jalen Hurts is off. They're not running the ball the way they did. They're supposed to have the best offensive line they don't, and their defensive line is supposed to be dominant, and it's not. Other than that, they're fine. John, uh, fun win for the Texans, beating uh, the Titans, beating them in Nashville and beating them while they're wearing the Oilers uniforms. I feel like there's a little karma in play there with the Titans wearing those uniforms against the Texans. But uh, your thoughts on that win for Houston, what it means, and and obviously uh, what's the latest on C.J. Stroud and how he's feeling being in concussion protocol? Well, first of all, I don't think Stroud will play in this game against Cleveland on Sunday. It's another must-win situation. Texans are tied for first place with the Colts and the Jaguars, and I still can't believe I'm using Texans in first place in the same sentence based on where this team was after its 0-2 start to begin the season. But D'Amico Ryan just continues to do a fabulous job. And they knew that uh, since the schedule came out that the Titans were going to wear Columbia Blue against Atlanta and against Houston. But I was prepared for it, and I like it. They put Billy White Shoes Johnson, a great returner, in their ring of honor. A lot of former players went, including Earl Campbell, who posed for a mm-hmm. great picture with Eddie George and Derrick Henry. There can't be many teams that have trotted out three backs better than that. And then for the Titans to overcome a 13 – I mean, the Texans to overcome a 13-0 deficit without Stroud, Will Anderson, without their right tackle, George Fant, without their best linebacker, Blake Cashman and they lose their safety, Jimmy Ward, in the first quarter. It was pretty miraculous. The kicker had been out five weeks, and he connected from 53 and 54 on the last play of overtime, and people in Houston were still infuriated over the Titans wearing Columbia blue. And I told them on my show today, hey, if you don't like it, show up in two weeks, and they come to NRG Stadium and boo the hell out of them. I would imagine Case Keenan probably didn't have to pay a lot of bar tabs, but I, I definitely think he's not having to pay any this week, right? Yeah, Case is so popular because he's, he was getting those red shirts in extra years before I'd ever heard of it. He was at Houston six years. He was 2-0 with the Browns two years ago. He had not started but two games in four years. We all thought Davis Mills was starting. Danico Ryan's had a feeling, and like most of his feelings, it was right. And so... Keenum started slow pick six, and then he came back. And they think they like the way he practiced, the way he's been in a bunch of big games as he's just around the league. And uh, for them to pull out that victory when uh, and Mike Brabel came out and the Stetson to honor Bum Phillips, but everybody took it as an insult. And I think Keenum will be starting again. They signed a backup quarterback, Tim Boyle, put him on the practice squad. I don't know how many quarterbacks 
they're trying to stockpile, but they do have they have Keenum and Mills, and that tells me Stroud will not be playing in this game. John, now what do you think happened to the Cowboys against the Bills the other day? Paul, it's the same old thing. They can't beat a good team on the road. If you're a Cowboy fan right now, you've got, you know, a week ago they are talking about buying Super Bowl tickets in Las Vegas. Then they go up there. And they didn't just get beat in a close game like Philadelphia. You know, they got manhandled by a team right now, other than San Francisco, there's probably no team in the NFL you would rather not play at this time, and that would be the Bills. And the remarkable thing about the game was that Josh Allen didn't have to throw for 100 yards. And the way James Cook ran the ball down the Cowboys' throat, caught the ball well, that's the reason they got him last year and let Devin Singletary get away as a Texan uh, in the offseason. So uh, Buffalo is still behind Houston in the tiebreakers. The Texans are the first team on the outside looking in. If playoffs started today, Texans would be out. Uh, Jacksonville be the division champion, and the Colts would be uh, a wild card team. But the Texans still play Cleveland, and they still play Indianapolis. Cleveland here. Tennessee here and at Indy. John, uh, what the Texans have done, is, if you would have said this is the ceiling on how many wins they could have, if everything went well, what would it have been? Well, I predicted before the season they'd finished 6-11, double last year's win total. And then I said on our podcast, which on sportsradio610.com, that maybe, maybe if things broke right and they didn't have a lot of injuries, they might win seven. If you'd have told me they were going to win more, I would have said, you don't know football. You don't know the Texans. You don't know this roster, this team. And they've overcome so many injuries. They've had three left tackles, four left guards, four centers, three right tackles, and one right guard. And yet whoever they put out there, because Stroud has played so well, they've continued to win. In the nine of the last ten games have been decided in the last 30 seconds, including four, with no time left. And of those nine games, of those ten, nine have been decided by seven or less. So they, as D'Amico Ryan said, we're battle-tested. We think we can win in any situation. Well, now they got 35-year-old Case Cam taking almost taking on almost 39-year-old Joe Flacco in a battle of the graybeards. Uh, John, Brandon Staley, uh, the Chargers lost the other night to the Raiders. That was about as ugly as as, as you can see in the in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, made the the Cowboys game look like much less of a blowout in comparison. But um, moving on from Brandon Staley, I don't think that's a big surprise. But um, how does that Chargers job, in your estimation, stack up? I know NFL jobs in general, thirty two. There's only thirty two of them. It's L A. But what is whoever takes over that job inheriting inheriting in your opinion? Uh, well, it's the best job in the NFL because you got a great quarterback who's under contract for years, and you have talent on both sides of the ball, and they had one of the worst coaching jobs I've ever seen. Uh, I think Justin Herbert getting hurt last week was probably good because now he didn't have to worry about a more serious injury over the last four. Staley wasn't ready to be a coach. He'd been a coordinator one year. He was in over his head. Defense is his specialty and his defense was terrible. But they better hire the GM first, let the GM hire the coach, and the guy, the assistant, 
that is the most in demand is Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator of Detroit. You know how those offensive coordinators, they want to have their quarterback either coming up in the draft or one who's already established. And that's the best job in Carolina is the worst because Carolina's lack of talent and because of the worst owner in the NFL is David Tepper. John, thank you for your time. We appreciate it as always. Great to have you on. David, thank you. Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy holidays. And uh, thank you for having me on and sick them bear. There you go. And speaking of that, Baylor men's basketball in New York City. They'll play Duke tomorrow night. And this is part of Times Square with Jacoby Walter. And then, of course, the logo, Baylor Duke. That game is tomorrow night. We'll have a couple of notes and a comment or two from Scott Drew on tomorrow's show. Then afterwards, you can go see the Lion King. I was looking at that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that sign's been up there for like 25 years. Is that a play? Yeah, it's a Broadway show. That was one of my favorite uh, movies. I I just love that movie. I know you're probably not a live theater guy because I wasn't either. But when I did go to New York and I went to two of them, and one of them I saw Denzel Washington, so you would have been thrilled with You've told us this one. But it will. I'll just tell you, if you're not a, a, a theater person per se, you need to go experience Broadway because it's really, it's really something different. It's it's amazing. It See, was. I don't know if my hearing at times not being great. If uh, I, I could, think you'd be all right. Okay, I all think right. you'd be all right. Get just some good. Maybe seats I can down get my earbuds down, and they could put Wi-Fi in them or something. Down low, you know, you get one of those old things I, like you that. Know, that's something you should do just because that's a thing you should do. Yeah, it, you need it, to do. It. I think everybody not should ever go been on my radar to to one Broadway show before they pass. It, it's uh, what are you it, saying? Well, it just but in your lifetime, you don't have to like you don't have to go every year and be like, "Ah, this year I'm going to go see uh, this one," but I would I would recommend going to see a Broadway show before you before you leave this mortal coil. The Lion King was an incredible movie thanks to Elton John's voice. And yeah, and it, the 45 music. years ago, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, the musical has uh, I mean, he wrote the musical too, so All right, uh, when we come back, uh, Paul Catalina and his top five. Unite Private Networks, uh, you need to uh, check them out because we have no internet problems anymore in this building. And if you were here with us in the early days of the show, we were wrought with them. Um, I would have rather had locusts. We could have dealt with locusts better than an internet problem, and we constantly had them. Since we flipped over to United Private Networks, we have had no problems. Business-grade internet, there's no residential customers. We don't share our internet with anybody in this area. It is just ours, and that's what it would be for you. They're available all over the country. Go to UnitePrivateNetworks.com. You can get speeds up to 10 gigabytes per second. Uh, you are protected fiber service, and the customer service is out of this world, and their UPS battery-backed up internet service we actually experienced that one day we did not go off the internet when we had a you know a, a 10 second power outage here uh, a brownout in the building and it enabled us to continue going on the show in spite of the fact that you know everything else in the building had to turn back on it is fantastic if you are not in waco just go to unitedprivatenetworks.com or if you are call my buddy ace at 254-803-7070 or go to unitedprivatenetworks.com Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has been proudly serving Texans across the state for over 60 years. Call 254-772-8090 to find an agent who will provide a free review of your auto, home, and life coverage. 
Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Time for Paul Catalina's Top 5. Brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top 5 fits for KJ Jefferson. This is an intriguing portal player in that, you know, um, his successes and failures might not like it. You know, it's... Uh, he's a little bit erratic, but he's really, really talented. He's got a ton of stats. He's got a ton of starting experience. And uh, in the right system, uh, you could probably get a lot out of him. And clearly that was not what was going on at Arkansas this year is everything was all bad. And they, they've they moved on. Taylor Green is going to be their starter uh, with Bobby Petrino as the off to coordinator this year. KJ's off to the transfer portal. But an intriguing prospect because this is a dude who has a ton of athleticism. Um We'll call him, for intents and purposes, Cam Newton light right now because he's big and strong like Cam Newton is. He's a big arm, athletic, but um, obviously... You're meaning light as in talent level compared to Yeah, I mean, like, size. this is not, yeah. like, if you were... He's a dude. Yeah, he's like the... Right now, he's the... Um, you know, remember they had the, the papers in triplicate? Like, he's the copy in the middle. <laughs> you know, it's still a copy, but it's not the same thing exactly. So, number five. For KJ Jefferson, Louisville. Uh, I think this would be a great fit in Jeff Brom's system. He brings some athleticism. And I know that Tyler Shuck is already there, but as we talked about with Tyler Shuck, are you really going to push all your chips into the middle of the table and that guy playing 12 games? I mean, he, he no. never has. So you either have to be happy with some of the freshmen or younger players that you have behind him right now at Louisville, or you have to bring in another quarterback to compete with him and see what happens. And I just think that Brahm is a good enough coach to where uh, he could bring them both in. It would not be a thing. And I think that uh, given Louisville's, you know, full-on dive into the portal that we talked about yesterday, they've been doing uh, one of the better jobs. I think K.J. Jefferson in the ACC at Louisville could be really good. Yeah, I mean, they – won 10 games despite Jack Plummer being just a pretty okay quarterback. I mean, mm-hmm. he was he was nothing, no disrespect, but he was nothing like special. You know, he wasn't like the reason why they were 10-2. and two. And so they can afford to get better there, but they've got a nice base with the fact that they had uh, such a great year there with uh, Jeff Brom uh, right out of the gates and especially coming off of who you have had there recently, a quarterback at Louisville. You had Malik Cunningham, you had Lamar, uh, Lamar Jackson prior to that, but – um, yeah, he's he's a guy who, um, with um, 
his skill set, I think, could go in there and be really productive and, and be a definite upgrade for them from what they had last year. Now, all the rest of the pieces around that that helped ten and two, I don't know if like that's all going to be this, you know, close to the same. Um, but uh, certainly at quarterback, they can get better. And uh, what a fun coach to play for and a fun mm-hmm. offense to play in. So yeah, that seems like it would be a, an interesting opportunity. Number four. South Carolina, look, his running back already went there. Uh, They're going to need a quarterback. Uh, He can stay in the SEC. Um, You know, Shane Beamer's had, you know, I thought it was, it was all, I mean, the Spencer Rattler experiment went okay. Um, I think the the KJ Jefferson experiment could go well. And look, he would start, he would go and start there and stay in the SEC. Rocket Sanders is already there. I do think that Shane Beamer will eventually have the Gamecocks on on the rise based on their history, but this has been a team that's that's the also ran of also rans in the, in the SEC. But if he wants to stay in the league, I think this is the best option there. Well, I mean, he, they they're probably the favorites uh, because of the fact that he's a former um, tight ends coach uh, there with the Razorbacks is now the OC at South Carolina and, and Dow Logan. So um, that's a tie in right there. Part of the reason why they're considered favorites, I think, also the fit with their offense uh, makes sense for a guy like Jefferson and. Uh, he's a dual threat, you know. He's a dual threat who I think, with uh, their style, could uh, definitely get the uh, most out of his uh, legs and, and also be able to throw a little bit as well. But uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of smoke with South Carolina and KJ Jefferson, and uh, you know Spencer Rattler. That was that was fine, right? That was that was okay. I, I just think like when you're when you're as hyped up as he was. You've got to like go win the Natty or make the playoff to live up to that. Yeah. And when you had your Netflix show and all that kind of stuff before you've even taken a snap um, on campus, and just all of the stuff with Oklahoma and kind of how all that went, um, it's a weird college career for him. I'm glad that he was, you know, able to end it on a relatively, uh, you know, solid note. But I'm very curious what his NFL prospects are because of. The fact the dude's got talent, but I don't know that he's like viewed as the top quarterback in this upcoming draft, right? So I, I'm curious about that just because of uh, of all the hype that we've heard for so long about Spencer Rattler. But anyways, yeah, K.J. Jefferson in South Carolina uh, would make a lot of sense. Yep. Number three, Miami. Why Miami? They're in on everybody. Uh, Garrett compared him to The Bachelor right now. They're just handing out oh. roses to whoever's going to take them. Uh, yeah. and I thought you could only do one. <laughs> well, at the end, you only have one. Yeah. But right now, they're, they're handing out roses to get to the one. And, you know, um, you know they, they, they tried a night in the fantasy suite, I guess, with Cam Ward this last week. And we'll see. It's amazing that I know these things now because I'm married and I never watched The Bachelor before. But... I get these things now. I understand them. You get roses? I know. I get, you uh, get, the, I get the bachelor, bachelor references. Yeah. I understand it. Garrett, the same thing. He's married. He, he understands the bachelor. It's it's not something I wanted in my life, but it's something that happened. Is it must-see TV for It's you? not. It's okay. absolutely not. Okay. Um, and it's it's hosted by Jesse Palmer. Uh, but uh, now. Uh, he should be the bachelor one year. He was the bachelor. That's why he's. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's that's how married. much I watch yeah, it. He was. Pop culture timeout for smoking here. Let's, let's, let's go on. Have, really? you guys, have you guys heard of I this thing called the internet? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but Miami. Look, I think Shannon Dawson's offense calls for a, a physical, big physical quarterback. They've got 
an improved offensive line. They've got improved skill position players. They are better than they were. I think, you know, they're getting dogged a little bit, Miami, because of, you know, some some coaching decisions and the way things kind of ended out this year and the way that Tyler Van Dyke regressed. But I do think that it would be a good fit, and I do think that they will be better, and they are trying desperately to get any portal quarterback they can. And if they wind up with K.J. Jefferson, I know he not, would not be their first choice, but he would not be the worst thing that would happen to them. He's better than anybody that they've had in quite a while. Yeah, I mean, it'd be a fine fallback plan, but he's also not their second choice. He may not yeah. even have been their third choice. Yeah. Like, what choice is he? I guess you take what you can get, but I think they're much bigger fish. Uh, they're, they're fishing for much bigger fish right now. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty obvious, and it's been very public. So, yeah, I think this would have to come down to them striking out or just something clicking behind the scenes that we're unaware of at the moment that would, would make them uh, go grab Jefferson, besides obviously missing out on a Cam Ward or a DJU. But, yeah, they seem to have more options um, on the precipice of committing than than might take them down this road of needing to go get a K.J. Jefferson. But, yeah, they certainly need a quarterback, so they're, they're going to be mentioned with every quarterback that's out there until they've got their guy. Yep. Number two. TCU, look, he knows the offense already because Kendall Browse is there, and they um, need some competition for Josh Hoover. In fact, he would give Josh Hoover maybe a little bit more time. I know that. I would hope he'd beat out Josh, Josh Hoover, Hoover and yeah, play so, over him. Yeah, yeah he'd, he'd probably uh, beat out Josh Hoover. This would be maybe somebody who's more akin to Max Duggan in the you know just run and knock knock people over thing when when everything goes bad. Um, and again, uh, he knows Kendall Bryles, so uh, that could be a fit there. And they they certainly need to upgrade that position uh, at TCU because it, it did not go the way they wanted it to go this year. I mean, yeah, Chandler Morris in the portal, at least they can just turn the page there and kind of that's, that's what it is now. Um, not sure what his options will be, but uh, Josh Hoover showed some good things. He also had some bad moments that a young quarterback's going to have. I don't know that he's quite ready for where TCU wants to be right now. Right, I think that they do need a a stop. Get I think they need a bridge to Josh Hoover to allow him to, you know, uh, still be able to play and things like that. But I, I just don't know if it's his time right now. And so yes, with the Kendall Bryles background, um, I think that KJ Jefferson would make a lot of sense. TCU's attacking the portal very very hard. Um, it's clear that they're they're all in on trying to get back to where they were a couple years ago as opposed to not even making a bowl game after a national championship appearance. I mean, you lose talent, but that's pretty crazy that you, you don't even make a bowl game after a natty run. Um, that's that, I don't know how often that's even happened. Um, but um, they're, they're obviously trying to get back to, to more of two years ago, and to do that, they're going to need better play at quarterback. And for the reasons you mentioned, particularly Kendall Bryles, uh, that would be a, a really good selection for them. And number one. UCF. Why do I say UCF? One, they need one. Two, their coach is Gus Malzahn. And Gus Malzahn was the offensive coordinator when who, that I mentioned earlier, was the quarterback at Auburn. That would be Cam Newton. Oh, Oh, that would be Cam Newton. So, if you are going to be Cam Newton light, why don't you go where the original uh, coach is and a system that really works out for your skill set. I think UCF and KJ Jefferson make so much sense. I think that is, to me, the absolute best situation for him because of Gus Malzahn and what they do in that offense. Now, will that happen? Who knows? But I really do think that the Knights here uh, have a shot um, at making a, a good pitch to him based on Gus Malzahn's quarterback history 
and what KJ Jefferson can do. Will it happen? I don't know, but I think this is by far the best fit for KJ Jefferson. Maybe, and and because of the fact that he's dealt with him, a, a player that size before, quarterback, same talent, no, but at least understands maybe what he could do with him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, it's Gus Mel's on. I think that's a good pitch to a lot of quarterbacks or offensive players out there, and there's certainly a, a vacancy after John Rice Plumley uh, leaving. So I know they had a quarterback in the 25 class that reclassified, but I mean, that's not the I mean, that's that's nothing that's going to stop. It's like he was the number one ranked overall quarterback. Mm-hmm. So that would be, you know, a young guy that you also have at your disposal that maybe you weren't necessarily expecting. But, I mean, in terms of a starter, yeah, K.J. Jefferson would make a ton of sense for them. Um, and, you know, to have the, the young guys be able to have the ability to, to grow up uh, behind him. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you, you laid it out there, but uh, certainly they need a guy, um, and that would be a, a nice landing spot for him uh, here in the Big 12. So I, I could see that, but, man, he's going to have a lot of uh, – Offers that it would appear to stay in the SEC potentially, um, and who knows what else is, is out there in terms of the offers. But I'm sure that he's getting a lot of phone calls already, and I'm sure that one of them is probably from Orlando. And so we'll see what comes of that. Uh, has some transfer portal news. Uh, A&M has actually had a player withdraw from the transfer portal, and that is walk on kicker. Uh, no, true freshman All American Chase Basantis, an offensive lineman, okay. a really good one, uh, is going back. Uh, well, they to have extra Station. money available now. Well, yeah, I yeah. mean, so you know, you you can balance the bad with the good. Um, you know, uh, look, and no offense to Evan Stewart, but wide receivers are easier to find that can be productive than offensive linemen nowadays. Well, so. Quite frankly, they spend a lot of time, a lot of media, a lot of talking on guys who are all in the portal and uh, are moving on. And so maybe it's good to just get some offensive linemen to just recommit and yeah. just to start building this thing out for Mike Elko and, and not worry so much about the flash, although you're going to need some of that as well. But, yeah, you take what you can get, especially when they've had what seems like a pretty big exodus. And, um, yeah, good good for the Aggies there. There's a lot of a lot of different moves going on, and tomorrow will be interesting with the signing day to kind of get some clarity on – uh, some of these at least rumored about uh, storylines with the high school prospects and some JUCOs as well. But that'll be a big chapter that closes tomorrow. So looking forward the to that. The way we cover National Signing Day changes because there's two also changes because, I mean, we've talked a lot about them. But we'll be there and we'll discuss it. There'll be some transfer portal news or maybe that's a truce when it comes to transfer portal news on a National Signing Day. Barry Moore. Guys, how about this one? Greetings from Australia. Good day. Thanks for your great show, guys. Try to catch it every day for my college football fix. That is absolutely well, awesome. Well, Good day, Barry. Barry, Thank you very uh, much. Yeah, uh, appreciate you, Barry. And uh, thanks for watching, listening, and uh, hope to hear from you again. But, uh, yes, thanks for the greetings from down under. Appreciate that. All right. Uh, so there we are. Thank you, all, all of you. Uh, that have been a part of the show in any way possible, whether you watch us, you listen to us, the Sikkim 365 app, in the, the uh, chat room and also the text line that's always open to. Yeah, I just uh, mentioned this on occasion, but if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. Please hit that like button. We don't bang it over your head, that request, but uh, on occasion it's a solid that you can do for us as we – bring you college football and a few other things coverage-wise five days a week. We are going to have time off next week, and I know you're going to be asking for guests later. Keep in mind that all these bowl games 
We're not going to be around for those. So if you want to get guests and whatnot, like there's there's a lot of games coming up. We're not going to be around for. I know Utah, for. UCF. I mean, and we're going to come back. It's going to be like the playoff. <laughs> so uh, I, I, yeah, I, I get that. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to have to cover that uh, pretty thoroughly these next three days. But yeah, if you hit that subscribe button, that like button, we would appreciate that. All right, we'll be back again tomorrow. Paul's triple option one until two. This show back tomorrow three until six central. Thanks to our amazing group of sponsors. Every day they are a reason we're here, and of course keeping up what you hope uh, are, are the news and stories and opinions from you and us when it comes to college football. Don't forget tonight at 1030 on the CW at 365 Sports Tonight, presented by GXG at BaylorBears.com forward slash GXG, the current and future support of Baylor student-athletes. I'm David Smoke for Craig Smoke and Paul Catalina. Garrett Ross, have a great night. Ideal MRI is a small family business right here in Central Texas. We're open to support you while lowering the cost of health care bills. When you need an MRI, ask your doctor for an Ideal MRI. Visit us at IdealMRI.com.